Ariel Hawani's MMA show is presented by Modelo, brewed for those with a fighting spirit. Hello, friends. It's Ariel Hawani on another Monday. And boy, oh boy, do we have a lot to discuss on today's episode of DC and Hawani. UFC happened on Saturday. A lot to discuss, a lot to get to. But before I get to today's show, of course, I want to remind you that The Last Dance is still rolling on. We've got two more episodes left. That's it. Episodes 9 and 10, the final two installments of the 10-part docuseries on Michael Jordan and the great 90s Bulls will air this Sunday beginning at 9 p.m. Eastern on ESPN. And then immediately following the broadcast, once again, be sure to check out Jalen and Jacoby, The After Show, the wrap-up podcast series hosted by the great Jalen Rose and David Jacoby that I've been telling you about for the last few weeks. Every week, they are joined by director Jason Hare to talk about all the behind-the-scenes stories, the making of, all the stuff that went into making this phenomenal docuseries, which, again, I can't believe is wrapping up this coming weekend. It's so very sad. Anyway, their podcast is presented by State Farm and AT&T, and you can find it on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. All right. Enjoy. Oh, and a reminder, listener discretion is advised. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Ariel Hellwani's MMA Show. Back in your life on this Monday, May 11, 2020. Hello again, everyone. I'm Ariel Hawani. Hope you're doing well. Welcome back to a brand new episode of DC and Hawani presented by our good friends over at Modelo. Modelo Especial. Brewed for those with a fighting spirit. Of course, I'm Ariel Hawani. That man is DC Daniel Cormier. And DC, my man, we got a lot to talk about. I was going to say I have a lot of questions for you, but I know it's a sore subject when I phrase it like that, like interview, not That's interview. so, hence, I need to start with the first one. Really? Did you? Yes, I do. Ariel, my brother, did you enjoy the carnage on Saturday night? Did you enjoy the carnage like Justin Gaethje said on Friday after win? Did you enjoy it? Can I tell you what I enjoyed the most? Mm-hmm. You were the star of the show. You Why? were literally the no, star of the show. No, you were the most was, talked about thing on Saturday from start to finish. Can I say something? That was your finest hour. That was your best broadcast as a UFC commentator was, ever. By far. No, not even close. No. I not was rusty. Close. I felt rusty to start no, the night. No way. I started rusty. I started rusty. But it wasn't about me. I was just wallpaper. I was wallpaper on Saturday night. It was about the guys. It was about Justin Gaethje and Tony Ferguson. And Triple C and Dominic Cruz. I was wallpaper. I was wallpaper. Aaron. Yeah, it, it was amazing. And you know what my theory is? My theory is not to, you know, not to make this all about me, but my theory is doing oh this show God. for six, seven weeks actually made you not rusty. You had so many reps. You were comfortable. You were relaxed. Your personality shined. I was watching that saying like, wow, this is a different DC. Kind of reminds me of the DC on DC in Hawani. <laughs> I feel like I deserve some credit for this. I, I will say that. Being on this show with you weekly has allowed for me to feel like myself in front of the red light. There's a wow. red light on, on my iPad right now. You know, it says That's leave right. the meeting, but there is a red a red light. So, no, nah, it's, it's been good, man. I, this show's been helping, but it was also some great fights. And calling great fights allows for you to uh, have fun, and that's what we're doing. 
and and you're still in Jacksonville, right? I'm in Jacksonville in the beautiful high Regency uh, in Jacksonville, just sitting by myself as I've been for the last few days. Now, Leon, do. does it feel like you're kind of like you're kind of sticking around at the party a little too long? Cause like you have an event like that Sunday, you usually go home. Now here we are Monday. You're still there. I know you're getting ready to call the, the, the Wednesday show, but does it sort of feel like, yeah, you know, I'm good. You know, if I wanted to, I uh, no, no, you know, man, it's, it's just like, I've missed fight for so long that any chance to call a fight, I want to do it. Now, obviously the firepower that was Saturday night can't be matched by not many shows that are going to come for a long time. But even Wednesday is a great fight card. You know, they got some good fights still going. It's going to be fun. And um, it just feels good to be out of my house doing something different. Now, am I really doing anything different outside of quarantining, having door dashing, exactly what I was doing home? No, but I'm doing it in a different location, which is good. Uh, at what point, I just, I'm just curious, at what point in the night did you realize that your commentary was affecting the actual fights? You know, this became a fun theme. Greg Hardy mentioned it. Greg Carlos. Hardy. Yeah. It was, it was after, after Greg, Hardy. Greg Hardy. Why? Yeah, did, because, were you talking to him? No, actually, you know what? You know, actually before, uh, I got a note in the middle of the, right, right when Carla was doing her post-fight scrum that she said that. And I was like, wow, that's, that's interesting. But then I just kept calling the fights and then Greg Hardy says it. And I was like, wow, I must be yelling. Because you got to remember, the headphones that we wear with the mic, they're made to block out all that crowd noise, right? Mm. So you don't hear anything outside of what you're saying and the guys next to you at the volume that's chosen by the audio guy. And uh, there is no crowd to block out all that extra. But we're probably still talking as if we were in a full arena, or at least I was. And I guess those guys can hear. And also my table was right behind the corner. So Greg Hardy's corner was right there. So he may have been more in tune with that side of the octagon anyway, because that's where his coaches was. And then I was just right behind him. So I'm like fifth corner for, but then it was Michelle Waters' corner in front of me the last, the, the fight that Carlos Barza said that. So just the same thing. You know, we asked that one time on the broadcast was, I wonder if they can hear me when our, hear us, Joe and I were talking, when the guys come against the side of the octagon, they're right in front of the table. Even when it's full, it sounds like they can make out what we're saying because I've had guys like one time, uh, Jakar Close was like, I was talking about how he was controlling the kid with the under. He was like, DC, he doesn't know how to fight from the under. And I was like, well, maybe they can hear us. You know, maybe they can hear us, like, in the octagon. And obviously on Saturday night, they could hear us very clearly. Did that make you think twice about the things that you were doing or saying? You know, no, like, you, you got to call the fight as you see it, right? Yeah. And, and honestly, part of being a commentator, right? And I think this is where people misunderstand the jobs, right? They think that, Joe, John, and I all do the same job. That is not true at all. Mm-hmm. John Manning's a play-by-play guy, and the best play-by-play guy the UFC's ever had, hands down by far. He guides him. He, he guides Joe and I throughout the whole night. He's, he's the traffic man, right? Does all the reads. He, he kind of guides us in directions. That's why when there's a lull in the action, John may ask a question as to, DC, what does this guy have to do in order to change the way this fight is going? And then I speak to what that person has to do. I'm the commentator, right? I'm the guy that tells the story of the fight, how the fight's supposed to play out. I think people are, are misunderstanding what we're supposed to do. And the, the, the big fights and the big moments, like the, the finishes, right? So when, when the fight finishes, if you look at all the highlights, it's John Anik putting a cap on the fight. He's great at it, but that's his job. 
he's the guy that's supposed to cap the fight. And uh, I think that uh, together we're great. And I think I tell the story to fight. I tell where a guy can get better, where a guy can better his position, a clearer path to victory for fighter one or fighter two. And um, I got to keep doing that because that's my job, even if they can they can hear what's going on now. Can I be honest? I actually liked it better without fans. Dude, I told Joe Rogan that at the end. I was like, Joe, I didn't hate it. I didn't hate it. I know, and I, I, and I, I don't want the fans to think I'm insulting them, but there's moments in fights with big crowds that get me upset, like when the fans start booing, when there's like a minute of non-action, right? Or when there's a close call and then the guy's on the microphone afterwards and he's being booed and he has to apologize. We didn't have any of that. None of that was a factor. And once you're watching the fights from home, you don't really notice because they do a great job of blacking out everything else. It's all focused on the cage. I did not miss them. In fact, I had to remind myself that there were no fans there. I did not miss them one bit. Ariel, I read a tweet over the course of the night that said something about the difference between the way the WWE started doing it to the way the UFC did it, it's massive because UFC right away just spotlighted the octagon. Right. Everything else, the biggest difference was the walk, right? When you saw the guys walking through the octagon and nobody's there, obviously, except for the one guy, the one dude that yeah, was who in is there. Yeah, like, who is that guy? Dude, was like, what is going on? Who is that guy? who he was. They had people, they had a few people there, though. Like, there were like 10 people, like, all yeah. spread out in this thing. I was like, who are these people? And then nobody can really tell me who it was. Maybe like, I don't know, somebody important. It was somebody very important. Really? Right? It had to be somebody very important and they got to watch the fights. You know, uh, I, I did not hate not having the fans. Two things. I thought the fans, uh, they're great. We love that. Ah, you live for those moments. But I thought we got very clear, precise answers from the fighters after the fights. They weren't all emotional and just like yelling, screaming crazy things. I thought they were very precise with Joe. And I thought guys fought their, their game plan better. You know, I was talking to King Mo, and I, I want to ask you about this. He thought that the no crowd helped Justin Gaethje hurt Tony Ferguson. Mm. And this is why. And you tell me if you agree. Mo's so smart in regards to this man. He goes, Justin Gaethje is a guy that when he got dropped in the second, the crowd would have went crazy. He would have came out guns blazing in third, right? That's just what he does. He would have went, and he would have started chasing well, no crowd, nobody to rile him up. He can still hear his coaches. He was able to stay within himself. Yep. Right? Yeah. And he was so – Trevor was so clear that yep. he could keep him in his box, right? And in his box, Justin Gates is as good as anybody. But if the crowd was there, he would have lost his mind. And also Tony feeds off the crowd. When Tony starts to dance and do all that stuff, it gets oohs and ahs from the crowd. Guys start chasing, they go crazy. I mean, do you think that's a, a valid point or do you not agree? 100%. 100%. I mean, obviously I wasn't there, but you're right about Justin because that was the problem with him in the past, right? That he would get reckless, that he would, you know, want to get the big knockout, that he would, you know, take two to give out three type of thing. And uh, King Mo, I mean, I was so happy when I saw him in Jarzinho's lock. I forgot that they were together. So it was nice to see him there. I forgot that you guys would be there, but he's 100% spot on. I was so impressed with Justin's, um, his patience and you know now this is this is Justin Gaethje like the first couple fights after his two fight losing streak we're like okay will he go back to the old Justin where he gets beat up where he wants this is now him and I love yeah. that moment where Trevor Whitman said yo man you're trying to kill the guy like take 10% yeah. off your punches phenomenal coaching there so yeah Bro, I think, did you I think see those is, left hooks exactly right oh my god those left yeah. hooks were missing they were like I was like if he lands one of these swinging it's for the crazy fences. but then like I think the biggest moment right once he hurt Tony with a big right hand, boom, 
Tony's like wobbling and dancing in front of him. And he goes and he kind of just like, let me find my shot. But then at the end, right, he hits Tony with that big jab. And Tony's like shaking his head and backing away. He didn't charge him. He literally just kind of walked towards him, very calm and collected. And then hit him one more time, heard him stop the fight. He's like, who in the world are we even watching right now? If right. This is Justin Gage. It was crazy, right? So let me ask you, what did Tony do wrong? Or was it all just Justin? I think, I think honestly, man, when I watched that fight, I don't know how much Tony could do against that style of fight for him. Because especially if Gaethje fights in the way that he did, so calm, not taking chances, head movement so good. So he doesn't waste any energy. No, no, no wasted actions, man. Everything is, is, is the way it's supposed to be. His hands are where they're supposed to be. He throws very compact. Yeah, he's, he's a tough out for anybody. And, and I don't know. I really don't know what Tony could have done different because he doesn't really have the ability to just go take him down over and over again to force him to grapple. Mm. So I don't know. I really don't know what he could have did. Hard not to feel for Tony, right? I mean, 12 in a row. I, so feel, close. I feel bad for him, Ariel. I felt bad for him because you know why? It was always the next man up attitude, right? Right. And when it was next man up, he continued to beat the next man up. But eventually, there's going to be a guy when you take that next man up type of attitude that can go with you. And, I, and that's what happened to him with, with, with Justin Gaethje. It was, it, it, it's hard, man, because you don't know how long it's going to take for him to get back there or by taking so much damage. Yeah. I mean, with an orbital bone. He'll be out for a long time, right? He's gone for a long time now with a broken orbital bone. Yep. When he comes back, you know, is he going to be the same guy? Yeah, his face was beat up. He was just discharged from the hospital this morning. As you said, broken orbital. Uh, Dana White told Kevin Ioli, we confirmed that as well. So he'll have surgery. He's going back home today, I'm told. Um, but now he's got to work his way up the, the ladder. And I, I feel horrible for the guy because he had those five fights against Habib. He never got to fight for an official title once. 12-fight winning streak in arguably the best division in the UFC. And he never got the fight for the official title once. It's, it's criminal. It's a real travesty. Well, the reality is, though, it's like, I get it, you know. Unfortunately, they never got the fight. But how many times – him and Khabib were scheduled five times. Five how many times. times for the belt? Um, That's three. the question. Two three for the belt, right? Yeah, three. Three times for the belt. So mm-hmm. there were three title shots that he missed out on. What about when Connor was the champion? He was still winning all those fights. Right. You know, it could have been Connor, or it could have been uh, Eddie Alvarez before him or or who did Eddie Alvarez beat? Rafael Dos Anjos. You know, like – and all that time, what happened? Why didn't Tony fight for the belt? You know what I'm saying? So it's like, I understand all the canceled fights versus Habib, but there were multiple times over the course of that win streak where Tony could have probably fought for the championship. Can I tell you my biggest takeaway from that whole fight? Like what the number one thing that was on my mind, I know what people are going to say when I say this. They're going to say, oh, you don't like Habib. First of all, I love Habib. I have no problems with Habib. He's not my best bud right now. We don't talk, but that has nothing to do with me and him. So this has nothing to do with that. I just want to say this. And I also want to make note of the fact Justin and Habib share the same manager. So please remember that, okay? I got, mm-hmm. I got, no, I got no skin in this game. My biggest takeaway, you ready for it? I think Justin Gaethje beats Habib. I mean, I don't think he wins. But I do believe it's the toughest fight for him. By far. I didn't know. Toughest got, guy in the division, I, right? Absolutely. I, I don't think he wins. I really don't think. Uh, so of course you're going to say that. Can you imagine if you said you think he wins? I mean, you can't go back to AK ever again. Yeah, you're you, crazy, dude. You'd be AK, banned. I own, I, I own AK. You'd be uh, banned for life. Insane to say that. But no, 
He won't win because I believe that Habib is just so good at what he does, it's going to be difficult. But I do also believe that Habib will have to push Justin against the side of the octagon. Those takedowns that he gets in the open will be much more difficult because Justin's so skilled. And if, if this fight has to take place on the feet for an extended period of time, then, yeah, it starts to shift towards his way. But I just don't know if he will have the ability to keep up with him. And plus, man, dude is so strong. Habib is so strong and he works so hard. He's going to he's gonna be the champion for a long time. I just, I just, I, I love his striking. It obviously. will be the toughest, it will be the yes. toughest matchup. But man, I think Habib's striking is underrated so badly that if he gets himself going, he, he can go with anybody. I think the world of him, I think he's the most dominant fighter in the history of the sport. But just when you consider Justin's underrated wrestling, when you consider the striker that he's turned into with his patience, when you consider the power that he throws with, I really think he has a chance. Now, am I going to come out and say it? No, but I think he has the best chance of anyone at 155 pounds. And I know it's not going to happen next, but at some point I would really love to see him fight Connor only because of that power and that striking. Like I want to see who can knock who out between those two guys, right? Are you busy I mean, right now? That, what are you possibly no, doing? No. We're doing a show. No, no, no. Who are you texting? Get my, listen, get my food, man. I'm trying to get my food. I'm starving. Who are you texting uh, to get your food right now? I want to know. Chef Ian Larios. Like, He's I'm there? trying to get my food, man. Yeah, Chef Ian's working with a few guys, man. And I got to try to start getting my big old box. I got to get my big biscuit size. I got to start coming down to a small little, little small. So in the middle of this thing, you're texting. What are, you, what are you texting? What are you getting to, food, to eat? I'm getting some steak, potatoes with spicy chimichurri sauce, mm-hmm. and a hard-boiled egg. Right now? That's good. Well, he's going to bring it up soon. So, and I'm going to put it right there. I won't be able to eat it because I have to do my <clears> show. <throat> the fastest rising show on ESPN, by the way. Yes. I have to continue to do this, but, uh, yeah, I'm trying to eat. Well, okay. Because I, I saw it. Like, I could, t- I could tell – Exactly the moment the when shift, you're the eye, the eye shift. shift. You're not really. You're kind of giving me the nod. You're not really reacting to anything that I'm saying. I, I mean, here I am saying that you're a teammate gold. and good buddy. Absolute gold. Yeah. You were dropping. You were dropping lyrical genius, son. You were becoming a lyrical genius, son. You're dropping like God's knowledge. I'll fight you. I really think you're he's on the corner do it. in Brooklyn. Yes. You're on the corner in Brooklyn. Cut out cardboard. They're beatboxing, and you're just flowing. And I'm over here text messages. Giving it's me nothing. disrespectful. It is disrespectful. It's disrespectful. I'm it's sorry, Ari. I apologize, my brother. I apologize. But I just wanted to say that because I feel like it's important to say this now. I do. I do and believe he, it's a tougher fight, but yeah. I just, I just don't think anybody's gonna beat Habib, man. I'm telling you, dude is good, man. And I think because of how good he is, and because he's been able to implement the exact game plan that he wants all the time, we haven't had to really re- like see him rely on his striking, which has improved. Pinfall. Now, what could you tell us? I saw him on Instagram last week. He said he's going to fight in July or could fight in July. Is this true? I mean, the dude was in great shape, ready What's to go. What's this white thing that you just pulled over your lap, by the way? It's my towel. What do I you have a sweating. towel there for? Sometimes I sweat. Hey, wait. Do you have any black friends? Yeah, you. We, have, we carry a lot of towels. I mean, I just <laughs> like that with a towel. John Thompson, towel. Georgetown yeah, coach. Yeah, have you never seen that? Like, we carry towels. That's what we do. You know, we always have a towel. Guys, black guys will get dressed to go to a barbecue and hang out and like put a towel in his pocket. <laughs> just kind of what we do. You what? Know that? No. No, like maybe we start sweating like this. And they just kind of wipe it down. Like, you know, King Mo never not, King Mo never does not have a towel. Really? <laughs> <laughs> King Mo does never, if you see, 
If Mo's at his house right now, he's walking around with a towel. If Mo's going to dinner with his girlfriend, he probably has a towel in his pocket. It's just what we do. Wow. You didn't, didn't know this? <clears throat> I mean, I know John Thompson, the coach of Georgetown Hoyas, always used to have the towel over his shoulder. Remember that? Black, yeah, black guys carry towels. It's kind of what we do. So that's your thing? You just walk around the hotel with the towel? Yeah, well, I mean, I sat it on my lap in case I start sweating. The last few weeks, I've been in stitches. Yes. Like every time I start sweating, now so I have to, get... to wipe myself down. So I got my towel. But, but at home, work. you don't have the towel. Because I'm not going anywhere. I just tried to explain this to you. I'm not King Mo. I don't always. Oh, well, okay. But if I... I go, if I go somewhere, say I'm going outside, say I'm going to a barbecue, right? Yeah. My kids dressed, everything's got a nice tennis shoes on, nice shoes. I will carry a towel in my pocket. You know, in case it gets a little hot, got to wipe my brow, you know, wipe off my face. Yeah, I always got a towel. By the way, I've always wanted to ask you this. I'm happy you just said that. Why do you call them tennis shoes? Like you call, that's what they are. You call basketball shoes tennis shoes? Yeah, they're tennis shoes. But you're not playing tennis with them. <laughs> that is so stupid. <laughs> you think what? that tennis, the shoes that people wear to play tennis are the only shoes that you call tennis shoes? Yes. Tennis shoes are any athletic shoe. What? How does any that make sense? Any athletic shoes are tennis shoes. I don't know. Just kind of what I was I, what I was taught my whole life. You call it pop also? Soda. 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 What do you call it? <laughs> what do you call it? I actually call it Coke. I call everything Coke. <laughs> Sprite? Like, yeah, Coke. It's <laughs> called soda. Soda water. Soda water. They used, used to call it that all the time in Louisiana. Give me a soda water. I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, that soda. Tennis shoes. So if you're going to play tennis basketball, shoes. hey, go grab your tennis shoes. We're go going to play basketball. Go grab my tennis. I'm going to go shoot. Your basketball. tennis, not even shoes. I just tennis. tennis I would show up with a racket. Oh, you're so out of your mind. You're so from Canada. You're out of your mind. Tennis shoes. I don't think I'm the only person. I think in the comments, people need to tell us, like, who calls them tennis? Like, it's just tennis shoes. Wow. It's just a thing. Even Maybe your wrestling shoes? Those are my wrestling shoes. Ah. Those are my wrestling shoes. They're very specific. Big difference. Taitu Ivasa calls them wrestling boots. Oh. This is all bad. This is all bad. You see, where do I get some of those boots, mate? I'm like, Ty. What is he, Indian? But I have no idea what, what he's talking about. Boots. No, that accent. The accent sounded very Indian. Boots, mate. Boots, mate. <laughs> mate. You know, Australian guy. And by the way, we got into the main event early. Um, you were kind of you were kind of taking the reins of the show, but we, uh, there are a few I, other I, things yeah. I needed to address. Yeah. The 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 second button. <laughs> <laughs> on your shirt was that was a great storyline throughout the evening it was on up it was down, off up yeah and down. <laughs> it was up and down because like at first i had it up right and i was like man this thing kind of makes my neck look a little bit tight and then you're like d take it down so i took it down and at a point i got a little excited so it opened up and i saw a little bit of chest hair and i'm like i'm not ricky martin i'm not ricky martin i'm not ricky martin so i put it back up so i put it back up right it's a very expensive shirt it's a very expensive shirt who makes like, it I can't, I don't want to say it. Okay, it's a very fine. expensive shirt. But All like, right. I, mm. I, I put the shirt on and it's like up the button. I'm like, okay, this is fine. You know, it looks okay. But then I didn't have the, the collars taped down. So it's oh. like tied up here. And it's kind of flapping off to the side. It's like, yo, who are you? John Travolta and Dance Beaver. It's like, what are you doing? So then I take it off. So I pull them up and I take black, then I take black tape. Because oh. Susie's not here, right? There's no makeup lady or anything. So I take black tape. I stick it in the collar. And I stand it up. So now I take the button out and I'm like, all right, this is, this is doing better. And then I shift because Francis and Gano's killing somebody else, right? <laughs> so I shift. And then I, when I shift, my shirt opens and I'm like, oh, I can see my chest hair. 
I'm not some Latin lover. You know, I'm not this Latin dancer. So I could button it back up. And then when it was up, I felt pretty good. And then, unfortunately, the guy from ESPN Radio today, our boss, said to me, you know, I wish athletes didn't get dressed up for the post-fight show. I was like, what? He's like, yeah, pull on button up. Because, I, because if you wore a polo, it'd be fine. It's crazy. I thought I thought it was funny to see. I was just curious. Was I the only one to text you about that? No, nah, my wife did too. Oh, no. <laughs> She's like, take it down. I was really? Like, She's like, put it up. It's always tough when it's kind of like in no man's land there, right? Like when you it's open right it, there. it's yeah, too much. Ah, it's tough. I felt for you though. You were. <laughs> I fought a good battle, didn't I? 25 minutes and I stayed in there, man. I kept back and forth, back and forth. You feel yeah, self-conscious it was... about it. But that was a good storyline throughout the night. And I also loved how they had you guys standing next to each other. But then they had you guys separate from each other. And then you're touching Rogan like a little kid at the beginning. Like you keep touching his elbow and they're trying to keep this social distancing. If they're going to have you stand next to each other, why don't you just sit next to each other as well? Okay. So have you ever been around Rogan? It's hard not to touch him. He's a cool <laughs> guy though. Rogan's a cool guy. Rogan's a cool guy. So like when he's there, you get excited. You're like, hey, my buddy Joe, you know, like you're shaking Rogan's hand and Rogan's shaking everybody's hand. Like Rogan has shook so many hands. Like, I'm not a germaphobe like you. But oh, my God. Rogan walked past me. Every time Rogan walked past me, I'm handing him cleaning wipes. I'm handing him alcohol wipes. Every time, I'm like, yo, wash your hands. And then he does the cleaning wipe, and he goes back with his hand sanitizer. And, but I'm like, yo, Rogan touching everybody. But if you're around Joe Rogan, he has this gravitational pull. It makes you, like, want to touch him and, like, be his friend. It's crazy. <laughs> it was amazing to see like right at the top you're like giddy you're moving around you're touching his elbow i could tell i mean he's sort of like a larger than life figure right now bro what how did that happen he's joe he's rogan such a yeah but like joe rogan is the guy from fear factor i didn't is think it... i would be like like that like like oh my goodness this is joe rogan a little bit you know like now it's like he's my buddy he's my buddy now right like we text we talk but like when i first met him i was like oh, that's the dude from fear factor but then i started like liking him and now i see like I saw Joe at a comedy show one time, and I was like, dude, there's 15,000 people never watched Joe Rogan. He's, he's a big deal. You know, it's funny. It used to be you get on the microphone to ask for a bonus. Now you ask to be on his podcast. That's what the fighters do. That's like you the bigger Joe deal. Rogan, do you understand Joe Rogan's podcast is the biggest thing in the world? It's not the as big as this. Well, we got some work to do. We have a big platform to start. You know, we got, have you we been got on a it? head start. No, I haven't been on it yet. You never invited you? He did. I've got an open invitation. <laughs> we just haven't on the right time yet because when people have been asking for it so when i go it's going to be like a good one okay now what about the post-fight interviews joe wanted to do it like that because here's the deal like you said Ariel, we all got tested right everybody that was there tested clean so in theory you should be okay to approach it as normal and he was like it was all set up, man. There was a, a staging area for the fighter to go to and a place for Joe to stand and talk to him. But he just was like, it's too impersonal. And honestly, man, you got to understand. You remember Howard Finkel? He just died from the WWE. Yes. And the new. It was like a thing. Like you were put over by Howard Finkel when you became WWE champion. When you become UFC champion, Rogan's there. And he put, that's, that's part of the rub. Right. Part of the rub is getting to do that interview with Joe Rogan. And Justin Gagey got that moment, man. Like, and I, I thought it was, I thought it was big of Joe to say, "I want to do it this way," and uh, and it happened. It was funny though because afterwards he would shake their hands, and some of the fighters were like, "You really want to do this right now?" They were like, <laughs> "I do that blood all over his hands." Yeah. Like, oh. It was Justin. Justin's like rubbing off. Justin's like scraping off like blood off his finger, and Joe's like, 
dude's crazy, man. But dude also like gets gets like a whole bunch of he has like he gets tested, you know, he gets tested. Who's the that? guys? The, the Joe, the people that go on his podcast, they get tested. So, oh, is that what I was wondering about that? Because he's yeah, doing yeah, them in person. Yep. Wow. By the way, how does that thing feel up the nose? The nose, the nose thing. Yeah. Man, first off, they lie to you. They said three seconds. It's not three seconds. It's much longer than that because it hurts. And secondly, they jam it up your nose, and also they tell you not to record it. Like you're not supposed to record that. Oh, so really? all those fighters recorded. I don't understand how they're getting that video. Huh? They're not supposed to do that, but they do. Did it hurt? It hurt. It hurt. Did you do it, it twice? Hurt. I did it once when I got here, and every day I go back and take a antibody and a uh, uh, temperature check to see right. if anything has changed. You feel safe? I feel safe. You feel okay? Honestly, man, I feel like the things that are in place are good. I feel like the UFC is going above and beyond to ensure that the fighters are safe and everybody else that works for the company. I don't feel at risk at all. There's nobody here. It's like a ghost town. Did you see, see any of the AEW guys? I saw Jake the Snake Roberts. You saw Jake, saw Jake the Snake Roberts. <laughs> Tell me the story. I'm what running. happened? I'm running. You know, I'm just running. Not very fast because I don't run fast. Um, and I get off the treadmill, find them pouring sweat. And this guy goes, this is an older guy, right? When I'm stretching, he's an older guy in his, his, his pants and got a mask on. And he, he goes, no more of those wrestlers on the treadmill. And he pulled when he pulled his mask on, I was like, Hey, you're Jake the Snake Roberts. I know you because he's going to talk to Tiago. Tiago said, sorry, sorry. You know, my Brazilian training partner. He goes, sorry. I go, that's Jake. I go, no, you're Jake the Snake Robert. I'm a massive fan. And he's like, I've been watching you, man. I was like, you're the most despicable heel in the history of the game. I said, I didn't know. When I was a kid, I hated you. But I was supposed to. He was like, you hated me. That meant I was doing my job. It was so nice now. I was so complimentary of him to be clean. Ten years now, he said he's been clean, you know. So yeah. good for Jake, man. Like there, there's a um, one of my one of my buddies from the WWE told me Jake probably was least likely to still be here, right. and now he's here and he's working at AEW and doing good. He just threw a snake on Brandy, uh, Brandy Rose. The other oh, day. he's he's a character there. He's the manager. He's a manager on advisor in AEW. Oh, he I didn't know that. Threw a snake on Cody Rose's wife the other day. Did you see the other guys too, or just him? I haven't just him because most of the time I'm in the gym. Or I'm just back in my hotel. Right. By the way, do you remember the name of his snake back in the day? Damien. Oh my. God. Damien dog, like that's Damien. an easy one. Oh, Damien. What about what about uh the British Bulldog? When he put Andre, when he put Andre in the Andre rope, was scared of it. Like he was really scared. Yeah. He was definitely afraid of snakes. And Jake's like holding next to Andre. That was, who squashed crazy. Damien? Do you remember who squashed Damien? Was it Rick Rude? Mm-mm. Was Rick Rude? I know the Macho Man had an angle. Rick Rude him. sprayed arrogance in his eye, and his eye turned white. Remember that? Yeah, yeah, Jake yeah. The snake's eye turned white. That was crazy. <laughs> These no, guys are crazy. Someone squashed Damien. That was the storyline. Sat on Yokozuna? him. Yokozuna. Yokozuna. Close, close. And then they they cut it. They were like, oh, we can't show this. I don't know who it is. Earthquake. Earthquake. Smash Remember that? Damien. Yeah, Sat on him. The natural disaster. That's Him and right. Typhoon, the natural disaster. Come on, man. Don't talk to me about wrestling from back then. I was in love with that. It was the best. Hey, yes. Just real quick. Yeah. Dark Side of the Ring on Vice. Oh, tremendous. Tremendous. New Jack. I didn't see he's that the, one. He's the craziest human being I've ever seen in my life. 
He stabbed somebody, though. He oh. actually stabbed somebody in the ring, man. You in the ring? Watch. In the ring, New Jack stabbed somebody. Wow. Because he thought the guy was trying to handle him. Oh, you trying to handle me? Stabbed the dude 10 times. Stabbed him 10. Dude, you got to watch it. That one I, need to watch. I just saw the Dino Bravo one. The Dino Bravo one was uh, fascinating. You know, did you see that one? I didn't watch it. Dino oh. Bravo's Canadian. Quebec. Like you watch you watch my, Chris Benoit. That's right. You watch yes. Dino Bravo, but you haven't watched any of the rest. No, I even went and watched the Montreal Screwjob one from last season. You're right. I actually have watched the only three that's Canadian bad. ones. <laughs> that's bad. I'm starting to show you two colors, bro. I'm starting to show you two colors. They're oh, red and white knit. Okay, so They're the next one. Do New Jack. Watch New Jack. Watch New Jack. They're gonna do Owen Hart in. I know. In, coming up soon. That's gonna be a crazy one. That would be crazy. And the Undertaker's documentary right now they're doing on WD yes. Network is real good, too. You saw it? I watched it last night. Tremendous, right? Did you watch Money you in the Bank, it? too? I didn't watch Money in the Bank. Did they do one of those, like, cinematic, like, matches? Oh, they did it in the in the building did at you Titan watch Towers. I watched a was little it bit of it, but I was watching Last Dance, DC. Oh. Did you? <laughs> Two best episodes ever. Yo, what is going on? We won't have enough time. We got 30 minutes left. I know, I know, I know. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Okay, uh, before we continue, we got to go back to 249 stuff. There's like yes, a million please. things to talk about. Jeez. Come and you're, on, you're, you're, you've you're got a hard out. You've got a very busy day. Fighter interviews yeah. and whatnot. Jeez <laughs> Louise. Okay. Uh, first, let me tell you about our good friends over at Modelo. Modelo Espacial. You know I got a call last week from our friend Action Bronson. He said, you're saying it wrong. It's Espacial, all right? He says he especial. loves the show. But it's not especial. especial. Yes. Especial. Anyway, Modelo is brewed for those with a fighting spirit. That's why Modelo is the official beer of the UFC. Did you see those fighters on Saturday night? Tony Ferguson, Justin Gaethje. How about Francis Ngannou? They have the fighting spirit, which means never giving up, even when the odds are against you. For great fighters like them, it doesn't matter where you come from. It matters what you're made of. And the same can be said for great beer. Modelo Especial has been the gold standard since 1925 by being a crisp, say it with me now, crisp. Thank you. Crisp. While you're texting. Crisp Pilsner oh, style lager good. that set the standard for authentic Mexican beer. Modelo uses premium hops to give the golden lager its crisp taste. So when you're watching the UFC this Wednesday or this Saturday or any other time, why don't you crack open a Modelo Especial. Yes, a crisp Modelo Especial. Modelo, brewed for those with a fighting spirit. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Imports, Chicago, Illinois. Please support them because they support us. What do you got? What do you got? Jake did it, baby. <laughs> oh, I got it. I got it. Jake did it. What so is that? Fast. What is there that? There are limitations to what you do. I always thought you were the man, Ariel, but I put to you... find out corporate Jake is. What is that? Jake Tell the, the people. actual guy. That is a picture of the only two men to win and defend titles in two weight classes in the UFC history. Just so happens that those two men were both on the 2008 United States Olympic team. So, you know, that's a big big shout-out to USA Wrestling for bringing guys up through wrestling that can become great fighters. It's insane. It's great. Of course, you're talking about Henry Cejudo. Yes, please Henry Cejudo and myself. Henry Cejudo and yourself. Please go ahead and and give a shout-out to Jake while you're at it. Uh, I think his okay. uh, Instagram is Jake Lebowitz or Lebowitz74. But in any events, uh, you probably don't even follow him, right? Producer of the show, you probably don't even follow him on Instagram, do you? I follow Jake. You don't yeah. even talk. Me and Jake talk often. Oh, yeah? We DMs. spoke live. We, me and Jake, Jake and I spoke last week. We were oh, on an okay. interview together. We were on an that, interview together. Oh, that's Jake right. One that I wasn't a part of. 
Yeah, you weren't a part of it. So maybe Correct. you can maybe say that Jake and I's relationship has started to surpass you. It's like we're together now, even outside of you, which is sad, scary, should well, be scary. You know, uh, confirms <laughs> many beliefs that I had about the both of you. Um, but here we go. Henry Cejudo beats Dominic Cruz, second round TKO, and retires DC. That's the big story here. He retires afterwards. Now, work or shoot, is this legit or not? Bro, I talked to him yesterday. He called. He actually texted me in the morning. Hmm? What did you think of me retiring, DC? <laughs> I was like, what did you do? I said, I said, I thought he's no, he's not doing this again. I immediately thought, wow, he's going to do this again. What, what do you and, mean by again? What do you mean by again? Bro, he retired from the wrestling at 21 years old. A lot of people don't as know the that. Olympic in our sport. champion, like as the Olympic champ, he walked away when he could have probably wrestled two more Olympic games. You know, and, and possibly went down as one of the greatest wrestlers in USA history. And he walked away. And I, especially walking away with no idea of what was next, right? No real idea of what was going to provide him financial security. You know, Henry may not be making as much money as some of the bigger guys, but he has now made enough money to where when he walks away from this, he's walking away way better off than he walked away from wrestling. You know, so I just couldn't believe that he was he was walking away again at the very top. Not many people do that. And Henry Cejudo is one of those guys that when it's his time, he knows where to go. And then I spoke to him last night for like half an hour on the phone because he was on a plane heading back to Arizona. And he was sitting outside with his brother just by the fire. And uh, we talked about um, if this thing was real. And dude just sounded like he's ready to not cut weight anymore, one. Uh, and start to put somebody else first for a little bit. You know, he's got his new girlfriend. He wants to start a family. And he has put himself first since he was 11 years old. That's how long he's been one of the best wrestlers in the country. And now one of the best fighters. So he said he just, it's time for him to, to try and give back to his family what they've put into him. So I believe him. I've you seen believe him. Before. You think he's I done? I believe him, man. I think he's done. I don't think he's done. I think he's done, Ariel, because here's the deal. The UFC is already looking at making the title fight, not an interim title. Right. Henry's done. We're moving on. That's crazy. Yeah, but here's the thing. First of all, <laughs> with all due respect, Dana White doesn't like to be put on blast like that. He doesn't like to be put in a corner like that. He doesn't like if there is some sort of negotiation. Remember when George St. Pierre did it after the Johnny Hendricks fight? Did not like that. When Conor McGregor has done that, did not like that. And so his usual initial reaction is, oh, yeah, we're just going to move on. I'm not going to beg you. You know what I mean? Like, I know how this game works. I'm not going to beg you. When Henry Cejudo beat Marlon Moraes last June, I remember having a conversation with him, and, and he did tell me, I'm ready to walk away if they don't pay me $2 million. If they don't start paying me seven figures, I'm going to walk away. I don't want to do this anymore for this kind of money because I've been doing this for so long since I was 11 years old. It's time for me to cash in. And I know he was disappointed that they did up his pay, but he didn't get the money he was looking for. And in his mind, he thought, all right, I'll do this one and then I'll cash in. And so that's why I be- look, I believe him right now that he is willing. It's dangerous when you are willing to do it, when it's not a hundred percent a ploy, but in his heart of hearts, he's not going to walk away because it's all finally coming together for Henry Cejudo. Henry Cejudo is starting to become a draw. People like to hate this guy, right? He's a great showman and he's a phenomenal fighter. You don't walk away now. You don't walk away at 33. Look at MJ when he walked away. You may be tired of it. You may be burnt out, but you're too good and stand to make too much money to walk away now. There is no chance that was the last time we saw Henry Cejudo. But here's the question. 
does the UFC pay Henry Cejudo those types of dollars? Well, that's a good question. And I know they're not going to like this. They're not going to like this tactic, right? And so they may mm-hmm. move on and, and strip him and do a Peter Yan fighter. Heck, we've got Corey Sanhagen versus Aljamain Sterling coming up on June 6th. Lord knows that pay-per-view needs a little beefing up. They might make that a, a title fight. For uh, he, said Peter, he, said, he said Peter Young is fighting for the belt. You know, he, yeah, but the problem is with the travel and everything. I don't know when that could happen, but maybe fight it can. Island. Yeah, right. Fight Island, dog. Real. Fight Island. What's is more real, real Fight thing. Island or Zufa boxing? No. What's more Let me real? Say this. Fight Island is a real thing. A what? real. It's real. What do you mean? Fight Island is getting built right now. This is not just in the air. Fight Island is happening, and I'm so excited to go to Fight Island. <laughs> I want to go to Fight. Where is it? So you don't. So you don't. That's the thing. We don't know. Oh, they no. won't tell us where Fight Island is. Even Rogan can't find out where Fight Island is. We begged. We both asked. We thought combined we could get it out of Dana. And he was he stonewalled us. He didn't tell us. And wow. then we tried to ask Hunter. And he didn't tell us. Nobody wants to tell us where Fight Island is. You think Fight Island is a real thing. It's a real thing. As soon as when? I believe that is I believe that I believe the first person to fight on Fight Island will be either Israel Sanya. Or Conor McGregor. I know it has to be a foreign person, yeah. right? It's supposed to be like a foreign fighter. And I think it has to be one of those two because they're like the two biggest foreign guys right now. And imagine that. You take a fight to Fight Island with one of those guys. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I don't care if I'm in training camp. I'm going to Fight Island, man. <laughs> I am going to Fight Island. Okay. So, great. yeah, I mean, listen, it's one of those things where I, I'm not saying anyone's lying per se. but Would I think you it's... love to go to Fight Island? Be honest. I mean, I'm happy being right here. Do you think you're not invited to fight out? Just be honest. Is that why you're being bitter? Because you're like, I'm not invited to fight out. DC, let me tell you something. Since you brought that up, (laughs) there I am on Saturday. I was listen. I was tweeting a lot on Saturday. I didn't see any of my tweets make the broadcast. (laughs) (laughs) I was tweeting quite a bit. (laughs) You're like, you're like, you're like. Yo, what's up, man? I, I, know, like, I know what I'm talking about. I feel like I had a couple good ones there too. You know, I saw a bunch of jabronis show up on my screen. I was like, can I, can a brother get one tweet up there? <laughs> well, can I get one? You, I gotta tell you this: if, even if I was in charge of the tweets, you probably wouldn't get on the show. That thing. <laughs> I may have texted someone who works there, <laughs> who's a mutual, you know, friend of ours. You probably know who I'm talking about. I was like, hey. Can I get a tweet? I'm holding my breath here. I want to. I want to make my triumphant return to the broadcast. And the response I got was, "No, Don't hold your breath anymore." <laughs> <laughs> like, can I get a tweet? Give me a tweet. Something. Oh. A little morsel. Come on, can I get a tweet? So I think they're on to you, though. Like, you want to stay in quarantine, but you want to be involved. You can't stay in quarantine when you're safe. Because you're such a germaphobe and still be involved. You're trying to play both sides of the coin here. I mean, I, all I'm saying is I thought I had a couple good tweets. And oh, I saw some subpar tweets. I'm sure tweets. you did. <laughs> I'm sure you did. <laughs> and I got nothing. So I don't know. Anyway, back to Henry for a second. I think there's a better chance that Dominic retires than Henry retires. I think Dom's going to come back. You do? I think Dom, Yeah, I do think Dom's going to come back. I think Dom enjoys fighting. I think he... I think he enjoyed the process of trying to get ready again. And um, I think he's going to be back. I, I don't know. I mean, I believe Henry. I've seen him do it before. Like, if I didn't see it before, I wouldn't believe it. But I've witnessed it. I've witnessed this kid do this 
and be totally content with his life after. And then he found the UFC. So, But isn't there a big difference? When you walk away from the Olympics, you're not leaving money on the table. Here you're leaving money on the table. And he's talking about wanting to make money. You're finally, you're finally a draw. Why would you walk away now? I and think, you're so I good. Think, I think why you, the difference is, also yes, you don't leave money in wrestling. But you also don't make what he's made over the course of his time that he's been here. You understand? Mm-hmm. It's like he walked away before with not much. Today he's walking away with a lot of money, even if it's not what he hoped to have. So he has way more than he ever probably thought he would. So I, I believe the kid, man. Kid said he's gone. He's gone. I believe him. What about Henry? He starts dating a girl for like three months, and all of a sudden he's talking about this and that. Be like, Henry, can you calm down Ball for up. a second? Henry falls hard, dog. Yeah. never. Had, I told you. I told you, man. Triple C hasn't had many girlfriends. But yeah. he gets excited and gets a girlfriend. Talking about a Not family and stuff? Jeez Louise. And listen, they've been together longer than three months. And, and, and honestly, you know, sometimes you're just compatible. And I, I believe they're compatible. And How do you and, know that? Uh, you met her? No, I can just see. And, and I hear him what, talk about it. on the Instagram posts? No, no. I see his Instagram, but I also can – I talk to him about oh. those things. And you can hear something in his voice that's a little bit different. Interesting. All right. So we'll see what happens there. I just know you look when he was talking there in the back, you saw Dana and Cruz and Dana's like, oh, okay, this is how we're going to do it, Henry. This is going to be interesting. I'm, I'm really curious to see how it plays out. By the way, what do you think of this? Who are you texting now? Huh? Who are you texting now? Look down. Look down. Oh. Look down at your phone. You! What? What? <laughs> I just forgot to tell you. What now? I forgot to tell you. Am I not sp- well? Not at this exact moment, but yeah. <laughs> Wait, you want to do this right now? Yeah, I mean you can. I just, I'm just telling you. We talk about relationships. Sometimes people are just compatible, and I thought, like, wait, I haven't even told them this this big thing in my life. Like, my wife put it up to all kinds of stuff yesterday. I don't know if you see her stuff, but oh, yeah, what what wait? You just texted me <laughs> in the middle of the show, <laughs> as opposed to just saying it on the show. What did you just text me? You wrote, can I say it? I'm having another baby. <laughs> oh, God. 41 years old. 41 years old having a kid. Are you serious? Are you serious? This is the craziest 41. thing ever. Um, I can't believe I forgot to tell you. I forgot to tell you. But you know we're doing a show you. right now. Why did you just say it? Why you no, just... I forgot to tell you. I just wanted to, like, I wanted, I wanted to see your reaction. I wanted to see your reaction. I got I a text. To tell you. I'm having a baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I am. Dude, I'm having a baby. I'm really? I'm another kid. Yeah, I'm having my third kid. Muzzle in October. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it's a big deal for me and my family. We're so excited. We're so excited. If you don't mind me asking, uh, I mean, was this planned or? Yeah, yeah. We planned. We tried. You know, we were trying and, and, and it worked. Wow. <laughs> 41 and work. Hey, listen. Listen to this, though. I told my mom yesterday on Mother's Day. I wanted to surprise her. And she goes, Dad's dead. I was like, what, mom? She goes, that's that quarantine. I was like, what? (laughs) (laughs) My mom was on fire yesterday, bro. She told me I'm having a kid because it's the quarantine. And she also told me I looked fat. She goes, you "You had so big on TV the other day. I was like, mom, I'm just calling to wish you happy Mother's Day. And you just don't start insulting me. The mom just having having a wonderful day insulting me yesterday. But yeah, man. Yeah, we're having a kid. Wow. Congrats. Boy or girl? Thank you. Don't know yet. Don't know yet. Will you find out? Yeah, I will. I will, but just not yet. Okay. Wow. And how is Selena feeling? Yeah, everything is going good. Everything's going good. So that's in five months. 
No, yeah. four months. Four, five months, yes. Four months. Four months. Four yeah. Months. Wow. Yeah. This yeah. is something. I, I feel honored that you shared this with me. I told you, in the world. In oh. the world. Yeah. Right? You and the whole world. You know, because wow. we have this. Like, we have this. <laughs> right? And what I told you, I told you and all the rest of our friends. You feel you feel okay, like, going back to, like, diapers and things like that? You know, you got to rewind it's, the it's, tape. It's a little bit scary. It's been nine <laughs> years. It's been almost nine years. You know, wow. my daughter's eight, so. Having a kid at 32 opposed to 41 is, is going to be a lot different. But, hey, man, 40 is the new 20 or That's 25 right. or whatever it is, you know. So we'll see how it works out. And also, I just want to let you know, like, Ariel's a unisex name. There's girls who are Ariel, boys no are Ariel. No chance. So you could, you know. <laughs> I call my kid Ariel, especially if he's a boy. He'll get beat up by women his whole life. <laughs> <laughs> That's so bad. I keep thinking about that, man. Like your whole life, you just got beat up by a girl. Uh, Terrible, man. I didn't. I didn't know at seventeen you were still getting beat up by a girl. Man, that's bad, man. Why do you think I turned into the badass that I turned into? You know what I mean? You have to learn to defend yourself. You ever thought in your mind that maybe they just liked you? Like you're crying, dude. Wipe your eyes. Oh gosh, it feels good to let it out. Okay, okay, okay. Okay, okay. let's go back forward. Back let's get to back on task. Well, yeah, uh, congratulations, congratulations. Thank so you, thank you, thank you. that is huge. That is, and I'm honored. Uh, you know, if you guys do a, a bris, you know, let me know circumcision. I can help out. <laughs> <laughs> Why would I let you do that? Why would you, why would you say something? <laughs> it's very. You don't know how to do that. <laughs> You don't know how to do that. I know people. I know people. How would you offer that when you have no Do you guys do that? Do you guys do that? Yes. You do? A big ceremony? No, not a big ceremony, but it happens at when the baby's born. Oh, at the hospital? At the hospital. What? I think you guys are brutal that you take the kid home and then do it. It's awful. You do it when Seven days later. Down. It's horrible. Yeah, they it's give him awful. alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> Do it right away, man. Just do it right away. I agree. I why would agree. you? But why would you offer that? You don't know. You, you I, don't know how to do that. Like, I you feel like you do everything. You in do the moment, box. I felt like I needed to offer something right now. Okay, I had nothing else. <laughs> <laughs> I had, that's all I got. Oh you know, Mazatov felt empty. Anyway, Francis oh. Ngannou. What about Francis Ngannou? There you are, and everyone's looking at your face. What? <laughs> I do this every week where I just get hot. Um, what about this yeah. guy? Scary. Oh, he's scary. I mean, so scary. The fact when he starts going downhill, right? When he starts heading downhill, you got to get out the way. You know, there's some. This dude has this unbelievable power, and and he has a great chin. So it's like he's willing to go out there and just kind of throw because he knows he can take yours, and if he gets one off, you're done. And man, he put Rosenstrike out. You know, when he started. Rosenstrike is fighting, throws that nice inside leg kick. Then he throws another one. It looks like, man, if you try to stand with Jarzinho Rosenstrike, just kickboxing him, he's going to outpoint you. And then Francis just made up his mind that he was going to just bulldog him. And Jarzinho went back on the straight line. And, I mean, that might have been a 10-punch combination Francis threw. One landed. And that yeah. was all it took from the dropping, you know. So, yeah, man, it was uh, impressive. He's a very impressive guy, very impressive fighter. Terrifying. It's unbelievable. Terrifying. After that Derek Lewis fight, you thought, like, would he ever get back on track? And since then, 
All he's done is starch people. None of his fights have gone longer than two minutes. And, you know, I, I hate to break this up, but you were very much in the news last week, my friend. Holy smokes. And now he, he factors into this because last week on this show, you say, come on, champ, let's go. I'm getting tired of waiting. Stipe then talks to Brett Okamoto and he's like, what are you talking about? I can't even train. I can't even do this. Dana implies that they're willing to strip him if he doesn't come to the table. Here's Francis. Are you going to be fighting Francis Ngannou? The reality is I have one fight, right? I would like that one fight to be against the champion, Stipe Miocic. I really would. I love what our rivalry has become. Not only is it not just terribly bad blood, it's competitive. He's one I've won. I feel he's a great fighter. I feel I'm a great fighter. It just, it's just what's supposed to be. But if he's not willing to compete, I still have one fight, right? I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to go out on the, I don't want to go out in the way that I did where I couldn't get myself ready to go coming off that injury and just not feeling like I fought to my potential. So if I have to go out there and fight another guy, Francis Ngannou, that's what I have to do. You know, and if I am to lose that fight, as long as I'm prepared and I'm not hurt and I get to go and fight to my best, I'll be happy with that. But I don't believe that's going to happen if I have to fight Francis Ngannou. Um, but, yeah, I would if I have to. But I would prefer to fight the champ. I'm, I would prefer to fight Stipe Miocic for the belt to complete our trilogy. And I do believe that that's possible if he just would get going now. Right, I'm running here. I have a partner here. Man, we sparred. We 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 sparred in the park the other day. Right, there's out in the park in front of a guy, and we just work. Start to work on our timing because we're three months away from the fight. You can do stuff, and uh, it's possible. I prefer to fight the champ, and I also feel like in the Francis fight, like you know, obviously it's big risk, and if I win. The way that I'm going to have to win, I don't know if people are going to be like, oh, this was so great by DC. Or they're going to be like, we knew this was going to happen. You know, he's going to do like he, he fought Derek Lewis where he only wrestles and the, the fight's all on the ground. And we don't get to see all this scary knockout power that he possesses. So it's like, it's a big risk. But, you know, I go beat Stipe and complete this trilogy. I get the credit and I get the reward of beating him in the trilogy. I don't know if you get that with the Francis fight. So when you hear him say like, hey, I can't train, my thing's on lockdown, all this stuff, when you saw that that interview, those comments, what did you think? I felt like I felt like he wants to fight. I do feel like he wants to fight. I do feel like he believes that he can't train. But then the day after he says that, the Cavaliers open up their facility. Right? This is the NBA. The NBA is like the NBA is five steps behind the UFC right now in terms of reopening and getting their league back started. And they're opening their facility for private workouts. I'm certain that Stipe Miocic can get in somewhere with a little bit of guys for a private workout. Like, that's not um, that's not uh, impossible. And honestly, at my house right now, while I'm in Jacksonville, the wall pads are going up in my garage, uh, my third part of my garage. The floor mats and everything are going up into my garage. I have my treadmill, two Echelon bikes. And two Aerodynes, two heavy bags, and uh, uh, um, the, to separate the third side of my garage from the other two sides, I have a cage door. Right, wow. so I've got, and I was the heavyweight champ for one year. Right. I understand. I understand what you can do with the resources that we're blessed with, and and you know he can train. And honestly, um, I've got 
friends that are farming, and I understand, I think he has like a 72-hour shift or something like that. They go for like three days or something straight at the firehouse and everything. And I, I credit him for his work that he's doing during this pandemic. But like I said last week, man, heavyweight champ. And it looks like the UFC's ready to move on if he doesn't want to go. I mean, it's that simple. It would be unfortunate, right? Like the final fight for you should be against him. It's a trilogy. There's a yes, backstory. Yes. It feels a little empty if it's uh, inter- can't be interim. You, you know, I would not fight for. An, I, w- I don't want to fight for an interim title. Okay. Like, I don't want it to be interim. If if we're gonna fight, they they would have to they would have to be for the full championship because that would because they're giving the champ a date with plenty of time to prepare. And if he uh, if he's not willing to take the date, then you have to. Are you not budging? Up. So that date is sometime in August. Are you not budging on that date? Like, would you be willing to wait till October or no? I've always said I'm, it's not my choice. I'm not the champion, right? I don't want this thing to come off like I'm the one making the rules. I'm not the champion, but because I'm all I'm willing, right? Because I'm willing, my voice is getting heard, mm. right? I'm saying I'm willing, right? I'm willing. You give me a time frame, I'm willing to go and get prepared for that time frame. Give a date, Stipe. Don't just say sometime in the fall. Like, mm. give a date. Work with the UFC. And they will work with you. That's it. That's it. Give a date. Give a time so people can start putting things in place in order to make this thing work. Because it's the heavyweight championship of the world. It's the biggest trilogy fight the UFC's ever had. Go and make. Give them something to work with, and they'll they'll make it work for you. Or you run the risk of them just taking your belt, something you worked so hard for. Hasn't been the most active guy, you know. And it's like it's hard. It's hard for them to. to it's hard to be patient with somebody when. They're not really working with you. Sounds Stone like you're getting frustrating. Everybody. You're getting frustrated. No, I'm not frustrated. I'm not frustrated. I'm just saying, like, give a date, champ. That's it. Just give a date. Give, 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 give me as your business partner, right? Not only your opponent. I'm your business partner because we have to promote our fight. Give me your business partner a date so that I can start to train myself to be ready for that date and to try to sell that date. Give the promoter a chance to lock in the date. That's it. That's all I'm saying. Give, give us a date, champ. Just give us a date. If August doesn't work for you, champ, then tell us when works. That's it. Don't just say sometime in the fall. He did say, I'm going to fight D.C. I'm not saying I'm not going to fight him. Right. And, and so let's not paint Stipe Miocic as if he's not wanting to fight me. Dude will fight me any day of the week, as yeah. he'll fight anybody else. He's a stud. But just give us a date. Give us a time frame. Because right now, I'm up in the air, and I'm trying to get myself ready for August. So I'm doing stuff here that I probably wouldn't be doing right now if I knew the fight was in September or October. You understand? Yeah. So just give us a date. That's it. Give us a date, champ. I hope they don't strip them. I really, do you, you, you get the sense that they're getting close to it? I feel like they're very frustrated. Yeah. And I believe that right now is the time that they would do that. It's, it's, it seems so crazy. And I know it's going to seem like, well, dude's fighting, you know, he's a first responder in, in a – pandemic and you guys are going to strip them that's horrible look man they got to make fights you know i understand and and i guess at the end of the day it's going to be a question of who what's what are you first are you a fighter are you a uh, a fire firefighter and there's honor in both you know you can have find honor in fighting and if he walked away and said i'm just gonna be a firefighter i'm gonna help the people of ohio the rest of my life that's what i want to do hats off to you like we gotta be, we gotta be supportive, and we have to uh, 
honor that decision. But it's got to make a decision and make a choice. By the way, if you guys do fight in August, what do you do if you're Francis Ngannou? Because here's one thing that people aren't talking about. They loaded the deck for 249. 249 was amazing from top to bottom. But if this travel restriction remains, there is a chance that some of the subsequent cards will be a little thin because you can only deal with American-based fighters. Now, I know you're talking Fight Island and whatnot, but you're still, you can't have people mixing and matching. My point is, Francis just fought a 20-second fight. He's ready and willing. Like, he could probably fight on Wednesday. He doesn't have to cut any yeah. weight. You take another fight. If you guys are going to fight, if they figure out in the next two weeks you guys are going to fight, they figure this thing out, you take someone else or do you sit? Because let's not forget also, the guy didn't fight for 11 months, and he was 100% healthy, right? So why not who, fight? Who's, who's left for him? Dude, yeah. Just get some guy. You know, when you look at the rankings, you see a guy like, uh, let me pull up the rankings here. Well, Curtis Blades is the one, but he beat him twice already. No, I know. And it's like Curtis Blades is the guy, but he's beaten him twice. You don't match those guys up anymore. Um, Who's the next American down past Curtis? That's what you got to start looking at, you know? Or guys that train in the U.S. You know, you got guys that train in the U.S. that could. Maybe the winner of Overeem Harris, but I don't know if it makes sense. He he, fought, it, he knocked out over him. He knocked out over him, and 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 does you know? It makes sense for Walt Harris. Olenek? It makes absolute sense for Walt Harris. Olenek just fought, but I mean, could you imagine sticking Olenek in there with Francis and Gunn? Why you Man. don't think he's got a chance? <laughs> what are you trying to do, dog? Olenek looked great. Man. He looked svelte. Olenek looked svelte. He looked crazy. He looked svelte. He looked in great shape. He went hard, but man, that dude ain't fighting no Francis and Gunn. What about? Did Francis Ngannou fight Blagoya? No, Ivanov. That guy's Blagoya's in the U.S. I mean, so you're saying you do take they, a fight or you wait? I think I think for, well, it just depends, right? Like, let's see what happens with the belt, and then the fact that he's beaten so many guys ranked so high. If he can fight somebody a little bit lower, I don't really see much risk in that for him. He, right. He's going to beat the vast majority of those guys and just make some more money. It's going to be a lot of guys. There aren't, there aren't many guys that can be Francis Ngannou. Did there you have many. to sneeze just so there? Good. I want to, to burp a little bit. Oh, okay. All right. Uh, what do you make of people saying, oh, DC is afraid of Francis? I got someone write me That's like, please, so crazy. don't let DC fight Francis, please. We love him. We don't want to. Hey, even even our guy John Anik seemed to imply you had to correct them. I'm not afraid of joking. anyone. I know, I yeah, know. he was joking. But what do you think? Because there's that implication out there, right? I think everybody sees these guys, right? And they're so scary. Like, the reality is, and, and it's hard for me to talk about this because I don't want to disrespect Francis. I think he's a sweetheart. Mm. I really do think he's a sweet, he's one of the sweetest guys you know. But when you, when I watch, when I look at him, he's a big, strong, powerful guy, right? I think he's a fantastic puncher. He's a tremendous athlete. But I think it's like, he's just a, a bigger less skilled version of Anthony Johnson. And, you know, I was able to handle that fine. You know, and I think that... Twice. Uh, twice, you know. So I think that it's... I just believe that, honestly, it's not the hardest matchup for me in a sense that I'll shoot from across the octagon if I need to because if I can get to his leg, I know I'll be able to, to, to finish a takedown. And if I can withstand the big storm, nobody's lasted the first round. Nobody's been able to really wear him down. You know, what if he starts to get tired? Like, if he starts to get tired against me, I'm I'm pretty good at finding the neck and submitting guys. So, I don't know. 
people saying that I'm afraid, it's the most absurd thing in the world. Like I'm not afraid of anybody, like anybody. And uh, if, if I fight your favorite fighter, this guy that you love to see knock people out, and I ground him and I hold him down there and I exhaust him, don't be mad when I make that fighter that is so intimidating to everybody as Rumble was look normal. Mm-hmm. So don't be mad. You said something that I found to be very interesting earlier. You said you fight Francis, you know, people will know how it'll go and they'll be a little disappointed. It'll be like the Derek Lewis fight, take him down. By the way, I'm no coach, you know, you know, I have been getting my training on as of late. You should do the same thing against Steve Bay. Look at that first round in your second fight. Yeah. Just take no, him for sure. Dude, this, this is the thing. Like I'm not, even when I fight Miocic, you know, I'm going to wrestle more. I'm not going to just be standing with this guy like I did last time. I'm going to get in, in better shape. Like I, I didn't get to wrestle much for the last camp. So when I took him down, it was, it was hard. And the second takedown that I attempted, he defended. He's a good wrestler, but he also, um, he goes hard. The dude's the best. Like, Steve Miocic is the best. He's been the best. And I've got to be able to do everything if I'm going to beat this guy. Is your food here? It is? Yeah. I, could tell, I could tell people about the all-in challenge while you get your food, um, if you want. I don't know if you yep. know this, but Dana White and actress Halle Berry are going all-in. Just like DC is all-in. For the upcoming fight, oh, look at this. Look at this package he's got. <laughs> DC is getting so ready for the all-in lunch he's about to have. Dana White and actress Halle Berry are getting in for the all-in challenge. Getting ready for the all-in challenge, I should say. You can enter their ultimate UFC experience sweepstakes for an all-expenses-paid trip to the Las Vegas pay-per-view event of your choice. Once there, you will get to have dinner with Halle Berry and sit with her on fight night. I feel personally, I feel like that's bigger than the actual fight itself. Like, <laughs> you just get the dinner without. I mean, come on. <laughs> you will also get to meet Dana White. All right, and UFC athletes and get a private training session with UFC legends. You've never experienced anything like this. 100% of the money raised helps provide food to those in need. If you want to enter or learn more, visit allinchallenge.com. There you go. Now, what did you get? I got. It's like a kefir bowl. It's like yogurt with fruit wow. and, and and everything. A little piece of chocolate. Ooh. And then I got this one. I'm going to eat it after. It's steak with a hard-boiled egg Ooh. with spicy, spicy chimichurri sauce and everything. So, Where does he make this? I, you know, he's living at an Airbnb. Those guys aren't allowed at the hotel. They can't stay in the hotel, right? They're not UFC essential workers. So. Right. Stays off the complex and then just brings the guys that he's working with food, drops it off, and, and they eat it, and he goes back. So he to just house. walked into your room right now. Yep. How did he get in? Just the, the key. I you love gave the him key. a key. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's great. I'm getting hungry just thinking about all this. Mm-hmm. All right, a few minutes left on the program. Can I talk to you about? So I'm going to skip some fights here because we need to talk about Bryce Mitchell, man. I thought Bryce oh. Mitchell, after those top three guys, may have had the most impressive performance. That. The way Habib is relentless on the ground with his wrestling, this guy is yep. relentless with the submission attempts. I didn't know he had this in him. Like, I knew he was good. He just had the twister. But this man has improved, right? He's good, man. He's so good on the grappling. And he, he's literally just floating everything. He's just floating everything. So when Charles Rosa would defend the arm triangle, he would just take his back. And then when he would have to go back to his back, he would just go into the mouth. It was beautiful, man. He just he followed and took every position that Charles presented. He just never forced anything. The only thing he might have forced a little bit was trying to find the finish on the arm, the side choke. 
He should have just kind of like dropped the weight, relaxed the shoulder, and then they would have started to affect the blood and the vein here to start choking Charles out opposed to uh, just kind of squeezing. He was just squeezing. But, man, I thought Bryce looked phenomenal, and he's been talking about this new strength and conditioning program that he's been on. And obviously it's working because he is dominating these guys. He was one of your guys on the Ultimate Fighter, right? He was. Yeah, he's one of the guys. And honestly, man, like, I'm not taking credit for what he's doing, but he's implementing a lot of the things that we were showing, that three-quarter mount, going into the KC control, using the KC control to manipulate your guy to give his back or to, to go into the mount. It was, it, was, it was nice how he implemented some of the things that we showed him uh, on the show. When you were with him two years ago, did you think he would turn out to be this good? Well, he's the best one, right? The the the, the kid that 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 won it, that the Brad uh, Katona, Katona, he's out of the UFC now. Yeah, you know, and as good as Brad was, but Bryce, uh, I knew he was tough, and sadly, I'm one of the guys that said, you know, you got to get into a bigger camp, and he said, no way, you know, I'm going to stay in Arkansas. He has a lot of pride in his his home state, and and uh, he's just jumping leaps and bounds by just having a team that he's created just for himself. Yeah, it's amazing. And, uh, I mean, he eats squirrels, so, you know. Yeah, he's a different cat, boy. He, <laughs> <laughs> he's a different cat, tell you that much. <laughs> Did you see Deron win tweet the other day? Yeah, before what? Before he but... went and fought, five minutes before, he's like, hey, Deron, I got pissed. And Deron's like, dude, what are you going to do, take your cup off? He goes, no, just block me while I piss in the garbage can. He pissed in the garbage can. Oh. And then went out there and fought. It's just who he is. And then Deron... Like, because you ESPN, like, retweets it, right? So then Duran goes, I have another story. Oh, I go, oh, I see you're trying to get retweeted by ESPN again, huh? He was so mad at me. I go, you're clouching. What was the other one? I, I got more Bryce Mitchell stories. Oh, okay. Like, he said, get out of here. I'm like, you try to get retweeted again, huh? Must be nice to get retweeted by ESPN. You, know? <laughs> you do. Yeah, well, not on the broadcast, you know. Well, that's not ESPN, bud. Well, it kind of is, but yes, I know what you're trying to imply. Um, Jeremy Stevens missing weight, four and a half pounds. I thought I thought that would have been an issue for more guys. If I'm being honest, right? Yeah. Like Jeremy was the only one, but like I didn't, I don't know where they, cut, I don't know where the guys cut weight. I, I know the UFC provided a whole bunch of portable saunas in the rooms, right, to fighters to put the one that goes over your neck. But for a guy like Jeremy that cuts all that weight, maybe that wasn't enough for him. You know. This isn't the same situation that you're used to where you go to 24-hour fitness and get in the sauna and, and cut the weight the way that you're used to doing. It's much different. And I think Jeremy fell, fell victim to that. Props to Calvin Cater for still fighting him. And props to Calvin Cater for that nasty elbow. And then that finishes Jeremy. I mean, who finishes Jeremy Stevens like that? Mm-hmm. I mean, he's fought, I think, over 40 times, only three TKO losses. The elbow was vicious. The, the ground and pound was vicious. The cut was vicious, the whole thing. Yeah, Cater was one of the stars of the show as well. And I'm wondering, we talked earlier about, you know, Hardy and Esparza, they had big wins too. And and I know you were kind of joking about this and Rogan was like, hell no. Are they going to move you guys for Wednesday or are they going to keep it the same? Because you were, you were, I mean, multiple people now have said that you were helping them. Or maybe I got to talk a little bit lower. No, I, mean, I don't, don't know do what that. I'm supposed to do. You know, I don't know what I'm supposed to do, but I think I, just, I, think I have to do my job. But I, I anticipate it's going to look very similar to what it was on Saturday night. I'm Ooh. telling you, man, it wasn't bad. It wasn't bad at all. You could tell watching you guys how much you were enjoying it. We love, I mean, we love to call fights and we're just happy to be back at work. Like, I think that's how everybody in this country feels, or the vast majority of people. 
Yeah, no, but I, I, I don't know what it was about that. Maybe because it had been two months, maybe because you were the only ones there and you felt a sense of pride or a sense of responsibility. But the, you guys, and my favorite parts of the broadcast, by the way, are the end when you kind of do that whole like, you know, you're, you're, you're sort Recap. of recapping and just, mm-hmm. it, it feels like it's just three friends, you know, talking after, after the night. Um, you guys were still glowing. Like you didn't seem tired. You didn't seem exhausted. You had to do like a whole one hour pre-show because of the Jacare situation. It didn't seem like, I don't know. There was something magical about the night. Look, I'll take credit, you know, for this show, your performance, but until I can't take credit for Rogan and Anik, I just thought you guys were great. You were on point. You killed it. Yeah, it was a good, it was a good night, man. And it felt good to be, um, calling fights and it felt good to see the appreciation of the sports world, right? Yeah. Because if you watch, those tweets that were coming in came from a lot of big time athletes. People were texting me before the fight talking about, man, I can't wait for the fight. You know, like just so many people were looking to the UFC to see how they pulled this off to see how sports are going to look for a long time. Because I got to be honest, after doing what I've done this week with the UFC and watching, I feel like basketball can happen though. I really do feel like, the NBA can get back to work. I feel like the NBA can get these people tested. Obviously, they're going to have to quarantine. I, I the, the the staying in one city thing, I believe works. I believe you put the Eastern Conference on in one town, one city. You put the Western Conference in another, but you don't put them. I don't think you need to just have them in one hotel. I think you can spread these teams out across hotels or in big, tremendous houses like they all live in. You know, it's mm-hmm. like. Put them in places to where they can have their families and they just get tested, do temp checks in the morning, do uh, antibody tests, you know, and just keep testing and uh, continue to monitor the guys and let them go play basketball. After doing this, I feel like it can work. I, I feel like sports can get back now. When you heard about Jacare, were you worried they would cancel it? No, I wasn't worried at all. I, I thought the Jacare thing showed that it worked. You know, he got he got tested. He knows that he has the coronavirus. Now he can get help in recovery. I thought it worked. Hmm. Yeah, no, it's going to be interesting to see, especially I, I found out yesterday, they now reached out to people to ask them, you know, do you, do you know anyone? Were you in contact with anyone? Your temperature? So it seems like they're they're making modifications as these two events evolve. go on. Yeah. It's going to just it, keep evolving. Right? Who are you working with it's on Wednesday? Paul Felder and um, John Anik. Okay. Paul and John and yeah. then you leave on, on Thursday? I leave on Thursday. I misspoke about that on the broadcast last week. I said I was calling Walt Harris' fight, and sadly I'm not. You know, mm. I got I got to get home and start getting prepared to try to get prepared until the champ tells me something. Maybe the champ says, hey, it's going to be September. And I got to take a step back and go, okay, now I have another month to just kind of ease. But just kinda, I got to get back home now. Well, I, I was, you know, I'm happy to hear that you're you're happy with it, that you're comfortable with it, because I have to say, when I watched your Instagram uh, leading into all of this when oh. you were traveling, you were wearing two masks, you were exposing Dan Henderson, Laura Sanko. <laughs> I was freaking out for you. I told you to burn your clothes. <laughs> Bro, I was scared. I was so scared because it was so odd watching how so many people just didn't have masks or gloves or anything. They were just kind of walking through the airport. But what really scared me was getting off the airport in DFW or Dallas, wherever it is, Fort Worth, and it was so many people. It was so packed. Yeah. It was so packed going through that airport. I was like, this is crazy. This is crazy that this many people are moving around now. 
And I don't know if maybe a month ago, if I went there, it would have been much less people. San Francisco, when I left, was still really empty. But Dallas was busy. It was so busy. Why were you wearing two masks, though? Well, I had one, right? right. I had right. one. Right. But then when I saw all those people, I figured I might as well double up. <laughs> you know, double up and be very, really secure. But, I mean, what we're doing is working, right? Like, I did the antibody test, Ariel. It showed that I've never come in contact with the coronavirus, right? So wow. what we're doing by quarantining is really working. You know, I've yeah. been home for two months, and it worked. That gives me hope because, like, you've been going to Home Depot and all this stuff. I haven't left yeah. my house, so well, I'm probably clean nothing. as a whistle. You're the cleanest one yet. You can go out in the world, man. You know what the problem with that is, though? I think, like, because everybody's staying at home so much, like, your immune system is going to be almost, like, deteriorated. You're not fighting off anything daily like we're used to. Like, what are you, what's going to be, what's going to happen? You're going to just start getting sick from the cold. You're going to start, your cold's going to be much worse than everything more now when you get out again. Oh, my gosh. I didn't even think of it. So now what you're trying to say is the moment I go back, I'm screwed. I'm trying to tell you that by staying at home, your immune system is not fighting off anything. You and your whole family are completely healthy. You guys aren't having to fight off a person walking past you and going, I chew. And then your body has to go fight this off. This is this doesn't belong to you. Or somebody, you know, farting in the air and you walk through the, the, the dust smoke, you know, like you're not fighting off any of that stuff. You're not doing that right now. Every your whole house is exactly as it's supposed to be. So what do you do for the next two days now? I have I have fighter meetings now. I'm going down to the um the conference room. Yeah. There's a big old room. We all sit so far away from each other. And uh, we're doing fighter meetings from 12 to uh, uh, 2.45 at 3 o'clock. And then uh, tonight I'm going to go work out again. And then tomorrow morning I'm going to work out. And I have a pre-fight show uh, before the show. And then on Wednesday we have the fights. And I also got to finish getting all my notes ready for the fighters. You do notes? I do it myself, yeah. I used to have a researcher, but not anymore. Um, oh. I've learned that with these fighter meetings, right, I'll interview 12 guys of the 24. So it only leaves me with 12 people to go and find out things about. And then the UFC also provides their bio sheets. So you know all the last fights. And I've called so many fights now, I can almost recall a lot of them off of memory, just some of the things that happened in the fight. So. Yeah, it's hard work. It's long, but you get it done. What are we doing about the hair up there? I'm seeing some. I, oh, I mean, this again. I just shave it. I got to shave it. I before, see it uh, there. I see the whole thing. It? Yes. Yeah, the island's back. The island's it's back. It's actually worse than I thought, man. Look at this. DC Island. <laughs> it's back. It's bad. I need to shave it off, man. I, I don't know why you come on the show every week to insult me. Come on the show every week to insult me on my half of my hair. Every week you come on the show to insult me. No. Did you see that picture I posted Dara, yesterday? What's that, her name? Dara. What's her name? Dara. Dahlia. Dahlia has rubbed off on you, and now you're the bully. You're Listen, the bully. I posted a picture yesterday, a very flattering photo. Again, you no-sold it. No acknowledgement. No retweet. No nothing. Uh, and I'm trying to I'm trying to pump you up. Your mother, for God's sakes, is telling you that you're looking a little large, a little snug my up mom, there. My mom actually told me that. That's so on Mother's Day, she just wanted to hurt me. That's crazy. What Come are we on, wearing on, on Wednesday? Just a different suit. Okay, yeah, but same what suit. about the buttons? But situation? tomorrow, yeah. Uh, oh, I got a better shirt for that. It's not okay. it's not one of those like super nice shirts. You know, I got just a regular shirt. But tomorrow, I think we actually get to wear polos for the uh pre fight show, which I which we've never done. So that's let's big. see how that looks on TV. Yeah, that's a big deal, right? I know I you think like that a good more polo. casual 
I think the more casual look on, on, on the pre-fight show is going to go off well. All right. So we shall leave it at that, DC. This has been fun. Nice to catch up with you. Um, we're, still, we're still here. You know, some people thought when the fights come back that they'd kick us to the curb. But here we are. We're still here, baby. We're still here, baby. Still standing. Still standing. Look at that. And what massive <laughs> news you broke on the program today. You're having another baby. Wow. Blown away by this. And no I'll never forget is, you sharing it with us via yes. text message while we were actually live on the air. <laughs> Very bizarre. But I liked it. It was nice. Enjoy your lunch. Enjoy your time over there. And if you talk to anyone, let them know. I'll be tweeting on Wednesday, too. Just like one or two, you know? Throw one for my man, Hawaii. Give my man, Hawaii, one. Come on. Just one. one. Got some good stuff. All right. So that was incredible, as always. Love talking to DC. Love that we're getting to do this show, even though the fights are back. That was the plan. And this is very exciting. Another fun one in the books. But I know you all missed the, the interviews as well. And so I got some treats. Spoke to Dominic Cruz earlier today. He's always very insightful. It's always great to talk to him. Obviously, it was a very disappointing night for him on Saturday. But here's my conversation with Dominic Cruz following his loss against Henry Cejudo on Saturday night. Thank you so much for doing this. I really, really appreciate it. How are you feeling on this Monday following the fight? I feel great. You know, I'm walking around. I'm healthy. Um, Nothing's injured. So that's a first. (laughs) It's nice. It feels good to like know that in a week's you know a few days time <clears throat> flush my legs because i checked a lot of kicks so my shins are a little swollen other than that i feel great i know you were disappointed uh with the stoppage in the moment in the cage less than two days later 36 or so hours later how do you feel about it now yeah you know when i look at that you know i gotta you gotta first move into i encourage everybody you know to first move into a responsible place in situations like this and what was my responsibility? What was my responsibility to work back up to my feet if I did happen to get rocked? To me, uh, that's the job of the referee to tell me that. He did tell me that, and I did do that. So if we're talking about the criteria that the referee offers me to make sure that I get to stay in this fight, I believe I was following those conditions. I was working my way back up to my feet uh, on the fence, and you're going to eat some shots in those positions. It's just the, the name of the game. And uh, before I went out to that fight, I specifically remember looking at this this referee, Keith Peterson, and he's like mumbling, touching the floor, like putting his fist down and then putting his fingers about what not, where not to knee and where to knee. And I'm like, and he won't look me in the eyes. And I'm like, and I'm, I'm going underneath like this to try to make sure he looks me in the eyes. And I'm like, hey, man, I can't understand what you're saying to me. Like, what are you talking about? Be clear because you are in control of this fight and I want to know what's going on. Uh, I need you to make this work. You know what I'm saying? I need you to understand that. Shook his hand and said, I need you to let me go out. This is a title fight. Um, I need you to not be stopping this early. I, and I'm asking you like, yo, man, let me fight my fight. Let me go out out there if this is going to be stopped. Don't, don't stop this for some rabbit punches or something. And I looked him in the eyes and I said, because I need you for this. And I shook his hand and I remember, yeah, 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 yeah. And my experience of him was smelling like he had been out all night the night before, like cigarettes and alcohol. So, And he could not make eye contact with me. I have never in 25 fights had a referee that could not make eye contact with me before a fight. So first I'm moving to responsibility and said I should not have put the referee in that position to make that decision. And I should not 
have, uh, you know, we're, we're in the last 20 seconds of the match. So he says, it's not my job to know the clock. Yes, it is. It is your job to know the clock. You have one job. It's to keep us safe and know the time. Why did me and Henry know there's 20 seconds left in the round? If we know that as top tier athletes, you should know that as a top tier ref. And with 20 seconds left in a round, that is a time when fighters sprint. That's, that's, you, you got to throw Hail Marys in that time. That's the go for it time in a football game. Same thing in fights. And at the end of a five minute sprint, you need to sprint. Who, who wants it more? Henry did his job. He went out there and threw a Hail Mary kick. I threw, I fired an uppercut <clears throat> and instead of the hook coming, which I, which I was going to slip, I move into his knee and he catches me. He did his job. He sprinted at the end of the bell. Um, but I wasn't out and it's, you can see it on tape and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm dodging punches so I can get back up to my feet on the fence and on my way up, which is the criteria of the referee, protect yourself and get to your feet. Uh, he stops me. So I asked him specifically, you know, very clearly looking him in the eyes and forced him to look me in the eyes when he shook my hand that that wasn't going to be the case. And it was the case. So with that and my experience as a referee, that's the reason I said something. Not to mention, you know, if you look at boxing, the highest level of boxing matches, especially for titles, they get a choice of the referee and the judging. Sometimes they negotiate it. I don't see why this should be any different because the second I saw that this referee couldn't look me in the eyes, I said, I wish I had Herb Dean right here, right now. That's the referee I want. And, you know, you see how he officiated that title match after, and I agree with everything he did. I think he officiated it amazingly. So, I, you know, you can look back, and I want to hold the, the referees accountable too. You know, if you're in there, you should be in just as clear of a state as a fighter. You should be able to look the fighter in the eye and face everything that every question that they have and everything that they say. And we should be able to, you know, negotiate that, I believe, for at least title fights because, you know, that was a weak link, I believe, in my fight between me and Henry was, was the referee. But don't put yourself in those situation fighters. That's what I say to myself, you know. But in a fight like that, I expected it. I expected to go where I'm going to get hit, you're going to get rocked, and that's why I tell the referees that. I mean, it's a, it's a title fight. Somebody's going to get hurt. I expected to rock him, he rocked me, it go back and forth, just like me and Cody did. Back and forth, you know. I hurt Cody in that fight too. He didn't fall to his butt, but he dropped and he touched his hand, you know. And um, we kept going. The, the referee did an amazing job in that in that fight, I believe. So I've, I've just never had a referee that I felt so shaky about leading into the fight that couldn't make eye contact, that smelled the way he smelled. And I have accounts of fighters who have legitimately, and camps who have legitimately, I mean, Jeremy Stevens has told me, like, he's had to carry that dude back up to his room before he's so handy. So this is real stuff that we're talking about. If fights are going on and these guys are getting hammered the night before and they're not clear and they're coming in hungover, like you're a weak link in my three-year preparation for this. And I don't appreciate that. I was, I was prepared to die in that fight. I've been training for this for three years. And to get stopped like that was disappointing for me um, because I had more fight in me, 100%. Uh, again, though, going to responsibility, Ariel, and I shouldn't have been there. That, that's what I can look at myself. And to talk about the fight and analyze the fight, the first round I gave up, I wasn't aggressive enough. When you don't come aggressive enough in that first round, I spent a little too much time feeling out, getting the reads. Uh, you give up the round. Second round, I came up and I was able to be a little bit more offensive with the reads I was making. Um, and then, you know, we had three rounds of fighting left. That, that those, those are my rounds, uh, in, in a lot of my fights in the history. If you look, if you look just at how I fight. So, um, 
in a responsibility mindset. Don't start slow in title fights. You don't get a lot of chances. And I did, and Henry didn't, and so he got that win. Was that the first time that you've ever had Keith Peterson as a referee for one of your fights? I believe so. I can't remember ever, because I would remember a guy who can't look me in the eyes. Mm. I, I just remember that. I make sure if we're going into war together that you're there, you're present. Did you say anything to anyone before the fight, like after the conversation in the locker room that you just spoke of? Did you mention it to anyone? My my team was there, and they were kind of laughing at the situation because I was like, yo, hey, I'm over here, man, you know? And making sure he's accountable and there and present with me when I'm communicating to him because that shouldn't be what I'm doing as a fighter. That should be what he's doing to me as the ref. And I know I'm doing this, and I'm like, what's going on? And how, you know, I, I can't say anything at that point, Ariel. It's already, they're not going to change the ref because I, this guy won't make eye contact with me. At that point, you kind of just go, all right, my responsibility is to just make sure you shake this dude's hand, get the eye contact at whatever cost so that he understands you, you're here and you're telling him and that he's hearing you and not just listening, going in one ear out the other, you know, and, uh, that's what I can do. That was my responsibility. Other than that, it's focus on the fight. Get in there. Don't give him the opportunity to stop it because you can't trust this guy and you go in knowing that. That sucks. Going in knowing like shit. All right. Don't give this guy. You know, but Dana says it all the time. Don't give the referee a chance. And he's right. I shouldn't have. I did. You just, it's literally like in any other pro sport, you have to count on the officiating at times. You know, you do. It's, it's the highest level of competition. There's going to be dark times in there and that's what i live for i live to to grind through those dark times that's how i win fights and just curious did you have a conversation with him afterwards hell no that do you see how quickly that dude ran out of the octagon when i told him that he dropped the ball he was gone he couldn't even face me he knows Hmm. he knows you don't stop a fight like that for for title for title repercussions and Hmm. with three seconds left in the round while I'm working my way up. I'm not just, on, I'm not face planted. I'm working up. I'm going north, going up toward, you know. Um, that's what you, that's what the criteria is to keep the fight going. The ref tells you that. And so how confident are you based on how those first two rounds went? And I know you said you do your better work later on, and that is true. I mean, the proof is in the pudding. How confident are you that you would have actually won based on what happened in there? You feeling him, how he was performing, that you would have ended up winning this fight had it gone into the championship rounds? I mean, like, I can't sit here and say I'm going to win. You know, I would have said I was going to win the first two rounds, and I I won. I would believe I was on my way to winning the second, got caught. So he probably would have won that second, finishing out like that, which is his job. But it's a lot of energy you're using to do that as well. He uses, he's using a lot of energy to press me as much as he did in those first two rounds. Um, and that, that goes push, pull, push, pull that this part of the game and I'm in shape. So I like my odds in those next three rounds. I really do. Um, especially with the experience I have in those three rounds and him not, he knows as a smart fighter and he did his job push p- put the pressure the first two rounds those are his best shots and he he made it he capitalized on his best timing to get the job done with me so that that you can give him kudos for did he do anything that surprised you that you weren't expecting no i knew he was going to attack the legs so i checked a lot too and he hurt himself with with a lot of the the, the kicks that i checked um i just i would say um I surprised, I, he didn't surprise me and I didn't feel rusty. I felt I needed, this is the first time where I was like, I was hesitating in the first round. I wasn't firing 
alluded to. And I talked to the coach and it's like, he goes, yo, it's, it's minor adjustments. Um, we need more, we need more rounds, uh, getting into these, getting into these fights. And you knew this was the situation getting into this. And I did, you know, you, you get as many rounds as you can in a month time after, you know, I, I've probably been going live with guys at the caliber of Jeremy Stevens for one, for four weeks. So mm-hmm. I got, I don't know, two, two sessions. Uh, that's maybe 12, 15 sparring sessions after the thousand day layoff. And I did pretty, I, I felt sharp. I was doing really well in camp. But when you get into that scenario, um, I, I needed to fire more instead of, uh, in that first, those first two rounds. Uh, well, especially round one, I needed to fire more than I did. So that gave him that first round and that gave him the confidence he needed. Um, so I needed to, I picked it up in the second the way I should have. And I believe the rest of the fight would have kept going that direction for me. I was just going to ask you, 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 you bring up, you know, the, the time off and whatnot. Famously, you have said on multiple occasions that, cage rust ring rust isn't true it's a myth now that the big question for me going to this fight was all right you believe in that and i believe that you believe in that but you're also older now so father time plus the layoff how does that affect you now that you've had the fight did you feel like the layoff affected you negatively in any way well I w- i've already seen the fight too i went and watched it last night and um no i felt fast he i had him he had to make a lot of adjustments too he was dealing with a lot and that that wears and tears over the rounds but um, I felt sharp. I felt fast. I can't critique myself. Uh, I was firing an uppercut, and then when he was throwing a kick, it's like that's a that's the last twenty seconds of the round. You get in the flurries, and that happens. So uh, no, I, I don't go back and say that I was rusty. I don't believe that. I mean, I really don't. I lost, but I don't believe it's because I was rusty. I believe it's you know because of the circumstances mixed with uh, some choices I made in the fight. I feel like I know the answer to this question, but I'll ask it anyway because you're such a pro. Fighting in front of no fans, was that weird at all? Did it take some time to get used to that? Did you feel like it was jarring or an adjustment at all? Uh, it was – I've never felt that. So I will say that in the first round, the adrenaline was way lower than mm. I've ever felt. That was different. Um, but um, it's just so different when there's people there and you're hearing them like cussing at you and telling you, you suck. And then some people are like, you got this. And it's like such a mixture of energies that that really does pour another dynamic to it in that first round. However, um, I don't believe that it, it changed the fight for me in any way. It just was interesting. It was a weird, it was odd. It was definitely different to say the least. So quiet, but it reminded me more of like an old school wrestling match. Like, back in high school or something when you're just on the mats and everybody's quiet watching. It, it was cool. I enjoyed it. Yeah. And, and I'm curious also, could you hear the broadcasters too? <laughs> mm, not really. No, Okay. you couldn't, you couldn't. Uh, I could hear um, them in, in my corner. My corner was telling me, you know, certain combinations and I could hear them and I was making adjustments. So I was, yeah, I'm, I'm happy with the fight, honestly, with how I performed, you know, and I don't feel that I was like, I would tell you like, yeah, yeah, I looked rusty. No, I, I should have fired more in the first, but I was coming on in the second. And I know that would have kept moving, moving forward from there. So time, you know, time with that. And I, don't, I definitely not my age because I felt I look at the fight and I wasn't slower and I wasn't off. So it wasn't speed or, or power that was the issue. It was, um, it was the timing and everything else and, and moving, picking up the pace sooner right off the bat. 
any fight that ends like that um, in in a in a controversial way, in a way where you feel like it was stopped too early, is frustrating. But considering the road back to get to this point, three and a half years, and everything you've been through mentally and physically, how do you digest this on the Monday? Like, is it is it killing you inside? How are you reacting to this? Oh yeah, I'm. Come on, man. You can't. Have you ever like? I the only way I can context like put it into words is like after you've been with somebody like a, a girl maybe for like three or four years and then she breaks up with you and then you're just at home kind of sick to your stomach just dealing with it trying to look at the responsibility factors that how i created this scenario and then what's the lesson to be learned uh that you know you never waste a good crisis is one of my favorite quotes <laughs> so here we are like what is there that can be gained from this situation and that's why i like to face these these media scrums immediately with, with just get one, one and done Ariel. And, you know, we're with ESPN together. Um, we've known each other since WC days. So you know, I've known a lot of interviewers, but you always seem to be clear with the message and positive in a positive demeanor. And so I like to just get one statement out. Boom. Here you go, people. This is how I feel. This is where I'm at. I'm okay, but I'm not going to lie. Of course, I'm, it's depressing. That's sad. It's not what you want. It wasn't. How I, how I saw it. it wasn't how I slated it. You don't, you don't expect there's more to fight and I knew I had it. And so that, that leaves that question burning forever. And you, that's just not what you want. Uh, is that, is that burning question? Like, cause I know I was on my way up and I know I was coherent. You want to keep going? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm in this dude. I just need to get in there and get some more rounds. Let these legs flush, move them around. Um, I'm healthy. You know, I, I love be like, I love feeling lethal. And right now I'm, I am, le- I'm a lethal person still. Uh, I just, I love being healthy. It feels so good to be healthy. Even after a fight to feel healthy, like I do, it's, it's different. I'm usually going into these five round wars and I'm used to double the amount of damage that I, like triple the amount of damage that I took because over five rounds, you just accumulate a lot. Even the, even with good decision making, you accumulate a lot on your feet and your hands um, and none of that's taking place. My face is fine. I didn't, barely got hit in my face. Um, it's just part of it. You know what I mean? And, and you got to loss is part of this thing. You know, the reason I asked that question was because I remember when you were coming back, you were saying like, I should fight for the belt and the idea of fighting these younger guys and working my way up isn't all that appealing. So now I wonder, do you, do you, do you feel like doing that? That's what, that's what I mean. Well, you know, I needed, I needed that shot. And I, and I felt like I did, like I'm bummed because that you don't, that's a once in a lifetime opportunity I had right there that you don't, you take those any day of the week if you're me. Mm. And I, and I was so excited and I was, and I earned it and I wanted it and I was prepared and I, and I was in shape to go five rounds and I wanted those five rounds. I was ready for a five round war. And, uh, hopefully if I got them out early, I could, you know, but. Just to just with that, it just sucks with the with the with the situation of a weak link in between me and me and the person of too strong, healthy, sacrificed everything, been drug tested, been focused, been starving ourselves of food and water, and this guy can't even put a cigarette down for an hour. You know what I mean? And he's it's like, come on, man, let's let's get it together a little, please. Did you see those tweets? I I can't figure out if they're real or not. Have you seen this? I'm not really. Um, you know, one thing I'll say too, stay off the internet. Yeah. 
<laughs> I mean, people have a this. lot of opinions. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, there was tweets. So there's a, there's a Keith Peterson Twitter account, and it looks if you scroll down, it looks like it's a legit account because he's talking about just you know innocuous things. But then he sent to this account sent two t- tweets to you, which seemed very unprofessional. So I don't know if I'm falling for another you know fake account or not. I just I, I didn't know if you saw those. I don't pay attention. That's why I'm not on the internet. Yeah. You know, think of the amount of people who are happy to rub things in the, in your face when you're down and happy to, you know, you also don't want to have to rely on, on the, the love to build you up. This is a time when you're, when you're kind of dealing with stuff and I'm authentically dealing with this in front of you, uh, that it's not fun. I'm not, Hey, yay. I'm not like, Oh, no big deal. Like it is a big deal to me. It's huge to me. This was three years of my life and I was prepared prepared to win i thought i was going to go in there and win i was not going in there to just lay down like hell no and that to stop like that is very disappointing very heartbreaking for me and if that was my experience of the referee okay it everybody doesn't have to agree with me but i'm there ducking my head trying to get this man to look me in the eyes there's an issue i know it for a fact and it did not make me comfortable when that started and that's why i have to i've never had to reach my hand out and shake a referee's hand to make sure that they're like present with me because their eyes are going so all over the place. Cause he can't, there's something about me. He couldn't face. I don't know what it was. That's for him to be in. He can be in that question, but I'm allowed to experience, like have my experience of this man and it doesn't have to be right or wrong. It can just be my experience of him. I've also taken responsibility. Let's not forget that is, has he, has he taken a look at some responsibility? Maybe himself, maybe he could do that too because. I've taken responsibility for putting him and giving him that power and, 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 uh, giving him that, that thing to have to look at. I shouldn't have put myself in that position. I just, you hope that you can count on the, on the instruments that are being used, you know? That's one of my biggest pet peeves about this sport is that you guys have to answer, you know, the music. You have to answer our questions. Uh, Dana White does, the promoters do, the coaches do, but the ones who are supposed to be held accountable the most, the officials, right? The judges and the referees, they don't have to face any music. They don't do interviews. They don't tell you. There's a couple here and there that do it from time to time, but it's almost impossible to get them to, to speak on this. And I feel like a controversial moment like that in boxing, you get an interview with the, uh, with the referee or they'll make a statement or something you shouldn't if there's something controversial you should address it you should have to address it it should be part of the, the system and and i agree with you there should be some accountability there so just um, just give us an opportunity to choose our ref you give me or you that. give me a group you give me a group of three refs and i promise you fighters all over the world will be like me 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 like this is one of the benefits of being on the media side with you and also being a fighter and getting to compete is this like there's some real changes that I get to see from the outside, from the inside, back and forth, having everything for, and then losing it, having everything again, and then losing it, getting another shot to win it again, and then losing it. And being on both sides of the spectrum, man, I have like a laser beam understanding of this, of this game, period. And seeing this officiating is a weak link. And mm-hmm. there's a way that it can be adjusted. If you, if, if I go, yo, I don't like this, this that you're trying to give me, let me have Herb Dean, boom. Whole thing's flipped. I'm in responsibility. Look, I picked that ref. He officiated it. He could have officiated it wrong, but now it's like I picked him and I put myself there and me, 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 me to have that guy that I'm not comfortable with. And I'm like, shit. All right. That's another thing I can't count on. There's enough I got to deal with, you know, to, to not be able to count on the guy who's supposed to be able to face me and the other man. So 
you lose the fight, you're disappointed, you feel like it stopped early, and then he announces his retirement in the cage. And you were right in back of him talking to Dana. We could sort of see you. And I was wondering how you felt because here you are, three and a half years, you try to get that belt, and all of a sudden he beats you, and in your mind, prematurely, and he just like gives up the belt. And you're like, damn, I just worked this whole way to get that, and you're just throwing it away. How did you react to that when you heard him say that? Well, it's you know good for him, honestly. Like I always say, if somebody if somebody loses their job, congratulations. Now you get to you get to figure something else out. I remember when you lost your job, you were heartbroken, Ariel. You've rebuilt the entire platform, and everything's brand new. And what a lesson that could be learned for you, right? I mean, amazing, I'm sure. Um, he's going to start a new journey. I think it's good for him, to be honest. Everything that I said. Uh, before this fight, I think he's going to move right into it. Who are you without the belts? Who are you without the accolades? He'll have them. He earned them, but I've got a lot of those too. I, I can look back and I can pull out belts and belts and show everybody. And I'm very proud of my line of work and the people, you know, I cleaned out a division at one point. Um, I'm, I'm proud of myself. Uh, so he gets to have that too. He gets to have this moment. He earned it. Uh, but I'm curious, you know, Let's see who he makes a difference for. It's tough being out. It's tough changing your life, you know, and he gets to, he gets to deal with that. I hear he's got, you know, his own life moving forward. I think he said he had a kid on his way. Congratulations on that. Not a hundred percent on that, but I thought that's what I, I think might he said have heard. he wants to have a kid. Okay. So congrats. You know, that's moving forward with life. I said it since he was a kid. He's been Olympic athlete out of high school to world champion fighter. Like now he gets to live life. He's choosing to live life. Oh, kudos to you. It's sometimes it's, no, it is what it is. It's he's got his timing for everything, and um, you know I got mine. Do you believe him about being retired? Yeah, I think that uh, he probably is saying that to get more money. He actually wants just more money, and he'll fight. But if he doesn't get more money, yeah, I think he would retire. And I think that it's funny because Dana doesn't give a shit. <laughs> Dana doesn't care if you want more money, like. Yeah, you beat me. Okay. You know, look at how you won and be, be proud of that. Do your thing. And, um, I don't think that he's going to get what he wants, but if he wants more money, I think he got one of the biggest paydays you could ever get a part of right there in, in, in this pay per view that we just did. Um, sick card stacked on a time when there was no other pro sports going on. If you can't reach skyrocket pay per view numbers in that time, then it's hard to negotiate with Dana in the UFC because that's what they negotiate with. They negotiate with how the spike happens when you fight. How do your views go? Oh, did you, did you create a spike in the viewership? Um, well, no, you didn't. You, you, you created less than Ronda Rousey or you created less than Conor McGregor. So what are we really talking about? Like, why would we pay you more? You're not doing anything for us. We're doing something for you. And I think a lot of these fighters don't understand that you can be the best fighter on earth, but you still got to create a spike somewhere you got to do something do you create that spike or not and that's the responsibility factor of a fighter because then at that point if you don't create that spike in the viewership then the ufc has to fill that gap for you to create the spike so are we counting on them or are we counting on our own business making skills our own our own uh our own existence as a fighter we're, we're private contractors here so how is our business built to create a spike for the ufc or are we going hey ufc put me in i deserve it i deserve it i deserve it I didn't feel I did. I, I like did that. I feel like I've been building, 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 building. I haven't stopped working. I mean, I'm one of the few fighters with multiple jobs while I'm competing. Um, everybody goes, you've been off. I've not been off for a thousand days. I've been training while I work two other jobs. 
it's much different. <laughs> and just curious, how was the experience for you? A very unique fight week, like with the testing and then even on fight night where you're only there at the arena for 90 minutes and they're, they're shuttling the guys in like overall, did you feel like it ran smoothly? I honestly like wish it was always like this. And then you have fans in there. You add fans to that exact same recipe. And I felt like an, I felt like an extremely respected pro athlete. I did. Uh, even the swab test was horrible, but you know, they gave me my results. You're clean and clear to go. You don't have COVID. You know, I knew I didn't have it. And that was a good feeling to know. Obviously not a lot of people can even get a test for God's sake. Mm -hmm. I'm over here getting tested for free and getting to fight somebody, keep my job. Uh, you know, it's what a gift this thing was. It's, it's not the way I wanted it to end. It's a tough pill to swallow. Um, and because of just, there's a lot that was uncontrolled in it for me. It was like out of my hands that I wanted more. Uh, however, this is my bed and I get to lay in it. Right. How many times do you think you'll watch that fight? Like, are many you, like, will you watch it a bunch of times today too? Uh, probably no. Like once I see it and I see how like I made the reads on what what were the issues in the first round. I just needed to be more offensive for myself. I needed to come out harder. And in the second round, I did that. I made the adjustments. And at the end of the round, after the headbutt, he got that good rest. So that allowed him to push the pace even more uh, to create the hell mary situation that he went for. And he did his. You know, if we're talking about ring generalship, understanding of time. That's my point. Do you see that me and Henry understand there's 20 seconds left after a headbutt? We both rested and now there's a sprint that's going to take place, right? Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. The ref said it's not my job to know the time. Hmm. What? What? You better know we're going to sprint. And this is do or die at the end of these rounds, ref. How do you not know that if you've been doing this for how long? Like get it together. The, the, the headbutt, the last one, um, clearly cut him open, but I'm wondering, how did it affect you? Did it daze you at all? I was ready to, tease. I, sh you know, I stopped because I saw him like go down like that and I felt the headbutt. So I took a second and then the ref didn't really see it. So I went to attack and then he stopped me, you know? Mm. So I'm there to listen to, to the ref. I'm not, you know, I'm not a, I'm doing my job as an athlete and, yeah, headbutts suck. It's part of it. Getting rocked, like in headbutts, and I go to the floor. I that I could have very well gone down there. I was willing to die. You gotta let me be out. You know what I mean? Let me be out. It's all. Is that so much to ask? I did three years. Like I've you. If you watch film, I've taken shots like this. This almost every one of my fights. You you <laughs> I get. I get rocked in some way or another. It's okay. We all do. We all get hit. We all expect to be hit. Talk to Gaethje. He's like, yeah, I could go down. How many times has Gaethje gone down, come back and won? How many times have I gone down, come back and won? It's happened. So it's like when you have those situations, it's the ref's responsibility too to be aware that there's three seconds left in the round and this man's moving north. He's not staying on the floor just getting pounded. He's working. You, you haven't he, had he should know that. Right. You haven't had a lot of low moments in, in your career in the octagon, in the cage. Would you say, is it, is it is fair to say that this is the most frustrating moment of your career? Uh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's fair to say. <laughs> I mean, obviously it's, the injuries were frustrating, but as far as like in an active competition, I would say that this one probably is up yeah, there, it was, right? Yeah, it was, listen, this was, like I said, this was like a lottery ticket. Yeah. Honestly, like fighting Henry, like we've got a history. I've, I've always, this is what I, I couldn't have slated this any better. This was perfect. And the ball got dropped by me. That's not easy. 
that's not that's not fun mm. i can't i'm not gonna pretend it is i'm here letting you guys know like look we're all human it's not but how moving into responsibility is the only way to really like make make changes i can point the finger all i want but can i control who i'm pointing at the answer is never so turn it around point at me that's where i'm at I also get to speak my part though in my experience of the refing. I, I can say that. It doesn't mean that that's why I lost, but I can experience my experience and explain that. And that's what I have of that ref. Hmm. And I think I have a feeling other fighters would agree. I would put money on it a lot. And what did you make of the whole experience? Like him kicking the, the stuffed heads and all that stuff. And yeah, he's just, I think when I look at, at the big breakdown of Henry Cejudo and his squad now, He's, they've got their technical guys because he's an athlete, and so they do the techniques. They've got uh, the mouth because Henry gets – he's not that way. When the cameras go off, he, he's like he, – he also can't, my, can't make eye contact. He would not look me in the eyes, like just always anything he could to get away. But who talks is his, is his nerdy coach, um, does all the talking, and, you know, that he does – he's the mouth because Henry – Wants to say those things, but gets a little flustered from my experience in front of the camera. So when he gets flustered, they have, so they have a guy for each thing. And that was my experience of, of that team. They, they use their team well, uh, to, to get the job done. He's the performer. They've got the, t- the mouth, the useless mouth, uh, with the glasses, the big goofy guy with the glasses, uh, wearing tight clothes for no reason, you know, white everywhere. Like what, <laughs> like it's a mouth, you know, it's a jester. And it, it was, it was interesting, they, but they did their job and they, they used their team well for those things, you know? So to be very clear, you want to fight again and you are planning on fighting again, right? What I'm, what I'm going to tell you right now is I feel healthy and I feel not like, I don't feel like broken. You know what I'm saying? I'm here uh, and I'm going to get back to the gym and train and then, and then move from there. I've got people that can make this move anytime we want. It's not going to be hard to find people that want to fight me. And it's not going to be hard for me to find a fight. So I think it's needless to say that you will be hearing from me in some way, shape, or form again. Do you, do you have any of those fights scheduled? Are you working any of them as a commentator? Uh, yeah, as a commentator, I'll start working while I get my body working. I'm just going to get back to work here. So, so when I can't use my body because it needs to heal a little, yeah, I'll, 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 I'm here to serve and give my mind the best I can. And let me ask you, uh, finally, if you could take off the fighter hat and put the media hat on, if in fact he is done and if that belt is vacated, who would you put in that title fight? Who deserves it the most in your opinion? Aldo and Jan. Um, mm-hmm. Sam Hagen's up there. Uh, there's a, anybody in the top five, Sterling. Uh, you'd, you'd really honestly, put Aldo in there, even though he hasn't won a bantamweight. Uh, I think that, we're talking about headlining a division to build yeah. the division. Right. So yeah. it's like that, that champion, he's been champion. He's held divisions before. Uh, he's, and he didn't get hit. He had a shot before I stepped in there because of the circumstances. So it's like, because of that, it's like, well, he was going to face Henry anyways. If, you know, if Henry stayed around. So I believe, yeah, he would slide in there versus any of those anybody in the top five could be a champion at any given moment right now the division has been built so solid like the you know from from when i started this thing back in like 2009 when the division was developed 
look at the weight class now. It's literally one of the most fierce competitive divisions on earth. Uh, makes, this makes me very proud. I'm happy to hear you say that because I was just about to say it's solid because of you. It's because, because you of us. The division. We're all one. I can honestly say that. And I, when I speak and when I do commentary, I speak for as a fighter and an analyst, but I, I go, I be neutral in those moments because, um, so many times have I wanted that. And you know what? Listening, listening to my, to my, to the commentary of our team, it's not easy to do that job. They did a very good job, uh, talking about Henry and what he did well, what I did well. And it's not easy. So, uh, kudos to those gentlemen as well the, uh, from the UFC staff, uh, to, to commentate on a, on, a, on a very tough card with a lot of weird stuff going on, uh, taking chances away, going in, you know, DC's got a family too. He's got mm-hmm. kids like, out of quarantine. You know, he's making good money, but you're out of quarantine, you know? Dom, so. I appreciate you very much. Thank you so much for doing this. Anything else you want to say before? I know you said you're going to do like one big one and then that's your statement. Anything that we didn't touch on that you want to get out there? No, just, um, we're all, we're all one. Think about the fact that we all connected in the biggest sports event in history. You know, I feel like if we can connect to, to punch each other in the face. We're going to be able to connect in society again and be, and be together, you know, so help each other out right now because there's a lot of people that are scared. I was very fortunate to get this this opportunity. I feel very, I'm in a lot of gratitude. I'm just dealing with a lot of my own, you know, the suffering of losing as well with it. So I love you guys and thank you for following. I hear you. Thank you, Dom. I appreciate it. Great fight. Great to see you back. It was so good to see you back in there after all these years, regardless of the outcome. It was just so great to see you in there against a guy like Henry. Um, I, I appreciate everything that you do and, and, and I hope that you have a speedy recovery here mentally and physically and that we get to see you back in there. Soon oh yeah, now. I'll be good. Thank you, man. Always appreciate when a fighter comes on after a loss. I appreciate when they come on after a win, but especially after a loss. And uh, no surprise that when I asked Cruz, he said yes. He's always been uh, great after wins and losses. Um, curious to see where he goes from here, but very much appreciate him coming on and appreciate his insight. And you wonder if that fight could have gone a little longer, how it would have gone. But uh, them's the breaks. And congratulations to Henry Cejudo on the big win. And uh, we wonder what's next for him as well. Maybe one of these days we'll be able to ask him that question. For now, though, let's transition to another big name who had a massive victory on Saturday, a man who uh, looked very good in his fight against Jorginho Rosenstrike, a man who we just talked about with DC earlier, Le Predateur himself, Francis Ngannou. I spoke to him about the big win and where he goes from here in this very confusing heavyweight division. Here's that conversation. Action. First off, Francis, félicitations, mon ami. Congratulations. Thank you for talking to me today once again. Thank you, Aria. Thank you. You know, it's always a pleasure talking to you. <laughs> Could you describe what that one felt like? You've had some quick knockouts, but after the past year that you've had, you know, it's been a bit frustrating. You haven't been able to fight to go in there and knock a guy out in 20 seconds. What does that feel like? Um, you know, uh, but I think it was a little frustrating not to be able to fight longer, but, uh, the, the feeling of the job done, you know, the joy, he primed on, uh, on the, the frustration way more. On top of it, you know, because at the end of the day, it's all about to win the fight, and uh, it's not like I win it in the uh, wrong in the wrong way. He was very fair and uh, and and good, you know, and clean, a good knockout. So I'm so okay with it, but uh, still kind of like a little frustrating. Like trying, I've been putting a, a lot of work, uh, ground game, wrestling, try, trying to put all these things. We've been with me and my team. We've been working on the, all those. But 
you know, maybe he's going to be for next time. Well, the, the, the whole goal is to not get hurt, right? To not take any hits. So you're doing that now, four straight fights yeah. like this. And so you have to be happy about that, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, I'm happy about it. I'm, I'm definitely happy. I'm just saying like, uh, I'm so, so consciously, you, you see, you have this thing like that is keep telling you, yes, but I would like to showcase, you know, <laughs> the whole game. Yeah, I would like to showcase my whole game. When you were preparing for this fight, mentally, physically, did you think you would finish him that quickly? Um, no. You know, I try to not think about to finish a fight very quick. I try to prepare to get myself ready to last as long as the fight can go. Uh, so um, I just take the fight how uh, how it comes, you know, so... Don't worry about it. Once I think about uh, finish a fight very quick, and it didn't work well for me. That was uh, the steepy fight. Mm. I I walked in there when I went there to finish that fight really, really fast, and which is something that I never did. My my knockout always came like randomly. I I uh, I never had to like really say, okay, I'm gonna knock him out in the first round. I just let him go and he end up to be like that. So I think it's something that worked for me. Then I'm gonna stand in that spot, not to like chase the knockout and let the knockout come to me. You said it wasn't frustrating, but this fight was supposed to happen March 28th, and then there was talk of it happening April 18th, and then May 9th. You know, you don't have to necessarily cut weight per se, but you you do have to be in shape and you have to peak at the right time. This past month and a half, how would you describe it when you think you're first going to fight the 28th and then the 18th and then finally the 9th? He was terrible, man. He was terrible. I know you couldn't even train with the the pandemic. I mean, it was very complicated. You have to uh, readjust everything. You have to... Uh, you have to reschedule everything. Even uh, knowing that uh, at the beginning of the uh, quarantine, um, the training camp was done. We were ready, mm. you know, for the fight. But we still we still had another addi- an additional uh, one month and a half that you have to figure out. And sometimes they just break your mental uh, down by saying, okay, the fight is postponed again or canceled again. And uh, they're going to reschedule. So it was kind of like uh, traumatizing the body. We trying to like take it easy and like trust in our on our work on our um, what we are doing. I mean, at some time it was just uh, two or three of us in the gym. Uh, Eric Nixie, me, and the uh, Cooper at the stream training, uh, and then. We end up like trying to find like black guy for sparring. Then he will come in with Nate and uh, other and uh, his coach. You know, you have to like be trying to be separate, quarantine yourself from people, but you still need people to get close to them. Right. Just don't know where uh, they are, those people has been right. and who they've been hanging out with. But you have to take those risks. And sometimes I'm like. Do I take all this uh, for nothing? And the fight is still going to be canceled again. And, you know, but, you know, I think uh, every fighter uh, go goes through that. Everybody, everyone that has a fight uh, been through that. 
So that was some uh, kind of consolation you, uh, by thinking that it's not just about you. The situation is complicated for everybody. So it was a good thing. When you found out about the Jacare news on Friday, were you worried that, oh, this is going to cancel the fight now? I kind of worried a little bit. My only concern was about uh, the fight to be canceled again. Yeah. Uh, but when I heard that they keep uh, the event is uh, going on uh, anyways, I was happy because, to be honest, I didn't believe that that could ha- affect uh, people around. I, I, I saw Jacare. I was in the um, elevator with Jacare. But mm. this guy was very protected. He has a mask on. He has a gloves. Uh, we say, hey, guys. And that's all. I mean, I didn't, I didn't worry about it at all. All your coaches, all of you guys, you, you tested negative. Everyone was okay. Yeah. 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 We all tested negative. I test, uh, I've been, uh, they tested me twice. Yeah. And it came, all came negative. I mean, for in, during the fight, we, we yeah. tested twice and it was all negative. And the whole process, like where they had you in the hotel and then they bring you to the arena, a shorter amount of time to prepare and all that. How did you feel like it all went? I mean, he was just, it was just strange, unusual thing, but, uh, it's not like he was bad. Everything was very well organized. Uh, I mean, uh, heads up, uh, for the USA to, to, for that, because they do it very well. It was very, um, a proper way to do this kind of thing in this kind of situation. You know, everything was really good, just unusual, just different than what we used to. Right. To get a knockout like that, vicious knockout, unbelievable knockout, and there's no one there, there's no reaction. What was that like? Um, I noticed that there were there weren't people there when I was uh, walking in, but after that, uh, I didn't notice anymore. You know, like when you win the fight, you don't really worry about the crowd. There's this emotion in you, your opponent, your coaches in there, and Everything happened in the, uh, everything happened in the octagon. Hmm. So, uh, after the fight, it was okay. And I, we all know that people were watching on TV. And it seemed like initially, like you couldn't allow yourself to celebrate the knockout because you were very concerned for him. Like you were, you were watching him. You were standing right there. Uh, it only seemed like after you were sure that he was okay, that you can allow yourself to be happy about the moment. Is that accurate? Um, I don't know, but yes, I was like a worry because I didn't know exactly what happened. So I like trying to check if he's okay. Obviously, I wanted to uh, knock him out and I was happy about that. But uh, if I can get my knockout and then he get out there, uh, okay, that would be the perfect uh, case scenario because um, with uh, regardless, I don't have a, a hate for the guy. You know, it's just the open and who did a great job to be there, sacrificed uh, everything, did been through all what I've been through to make this fight happen. So I think uh, at the end of the day, he he deserves uh, more than a respect yeah. for me too. And I, I'm nobody than me know exactly uh, what this has been like. Did you see Mike Tyson give you a shout out? Yeah, I saw that. That's pretty amazing, right? Incredible yes, to get that. that. You're like our version cool. of him now. <laughs> Not yet. Not yet. Fair enough. Did you see he 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 said today I'm back? You see these videos of him punching? Uh, today no. 
uh, I haven't seen that, but I saw his uh, video last time. Yeah, what do you combo. think of that? Are you shocked? Um, I'm not shocked. No, because it's not amazing. Because uh, I was in the Mike Tyson range and I saw him move. He showed me something. I'm like, this guy can still fight. Like, he's, he's still there. You know, he's 53 years old, but everything is still on point. But um, so when I saw that video, uh, there were nothing in that video that I didn't see in person. Yeah, you know, obviously it was amazing because uh, I I tried to like uh, uh, replicate the same video, like the same combo many times. I, I work on that. We we work on his combo. Like if you look at my coaches, um, Eric or Dewoodin Pat, sometimes they're gonna say Mike Tyson combo. Which oh is really? What? Yeah. What is it? Can you tell me what it is? What's the combo? Yes, it's one two hook, left hook, body body. Row and then right cross. Oh my gosh, it's terrifying! Just watching right, right, right hook. Yes. Okay. Do you want to see him fight again? Do you think it's a good idea? Um, I don't think it's a good idea. I think he has shown everything. He doesn't need to show nothing. But uh, yes, maybe he just want to have fun. Maybe he's bored, which is understandable. So yeah. But I don't just want him to go out there, like, uh, even though he's still like, he's still get all this. He's not young anymore, you know, right. so just worry about, uh, his safety. Did you see the, uh, the, the footage or the photos of Daniel Cormier reacting to your knockout cage side? Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> what do you think of that? Uh, you know, I think he's over, he's exaggerated a little bit. He's, <laughs> <laughs> you're always like that. I mean, I don't truly, um, I, I believe, I believe in uh, his reaction, but I think he exaggerated a little bit because okay. he hasn't, you know, he's, he's a man that have seen everything. Sure. Yeah. So now the big question is, because as you know, and people have asked you about this, the heavyweight division is a bit of a mess. What do you think is going to happen? Do you think eventually they'll figure it out with Stipe and they'll fight in the summer and then you'll fight the winner? Do you, do you really think they might strip Stipe? What is your heart telling you right now? Um, what's my heart telling me? You know, it's kind of like uh, really hard to to listen to my heart <laughs> right now. I, I don't know. It's the problem is everything here is up to the UFC. The UFC make the call. The UFC decide. Uh, so I don't know what exactly is the deal with uh, Stipe. What is going on with Stipe? I don't know if it's because he's hurt or if because they can get through an agreement. Or I don't know what is the problem. So that's why I I would just only get concerned of my situation when will mm-hmm. be my next fight. And what? Since this fight, we wanted this fight to be an interim title. And this is something that, uh, I was too sad about it, even after the fight. You know, um, I saw Justin, I saw the, the fight, the main event, Justin Gaethje, and, uh, uh, heads up to Justin Gaethje, even, uh, uh, Tony Ferguson, they did a great, great fight, incredible, you know, um, and, uh, Justin has the belt. And when I was thinking about it, I'm like, okay, we, I'm in the same position. I have three tight, three first round knockout. I asked for the, um, 
couldn't have a title fight. We asked for the um, interim title, and the UFC couldn't give that to us. They, they denied. And Justin is in the same position. Once again, I'm not taking anything uh, for, uh, to, uh, from Justin because I think he truly deserves It's more than deserving. Um, and at the same time, I think I deserve it too. I deserve, I deserve to be that uh, situation too. So they didn't give me the, the entering. Like, I, I, I get this bitter taste that I should have been having at least the entering type in my ways right now. So that was my feeling after the fight that night. Couldn't really enjoy it. Was think about it, happy of having a fight, uh, a victory, but still have this uh, bitter taste. So, you know, you, you have, um, you have this taste, you have this feeling, and it's all up in the air. I'm wondering, you know, you only fought once in 11 months now, right? You had that break. Your last fight was in June. You get a quick fight like this. The part of you just say, you know what? Forget about this belt situation. Let me just fight as much as possible. They have a hard time finding people to fight. I'll get paid, and I'll just keep knocking these guys out, as opposed to waiting for them and seeing what happens. And then you have to wait for that guy to get ready again. I mean, there's a chance it's going to be another eight, nine months if if this fight happens in the summer, you're still going to have to wait for that person to, to be ready. So why not just fight and get paid? You can see some, you can see things like that, which is not, um, which is not, not bad. I mean, but if I go that way, he will be to fight out of my contract. It will just be to knock out fights on my contract. Mm. I mean, I'm not just saying like going out there, fight, fight. You have, you, you need to have a purpose on what you're doing. That's what, uh, drives you. That's what, uh, uh, motivated you, you know. And then since all this was, we are targeting a title and at some point you feel like some point the frustration is not just about the fact that the title, I'm not having a title fight, but I just feel like some sort of like disrespect, like, they don't care about you. They don't care about what you feel. They don't care about your situation. That's how I feel about it sometimes. And that's what frustrated me the most. You know, uh, yes, you can go out there, uh, willing to fight uh, everybody. But remember, everything can happen. Uh, anything can happen in the fight. And whatever, if you lost the fight, you lost your situation. Maybe the money that you were chasing is not, uh, enough to compensate what you should have had in the, uh, Tie fight. I mean, there is a lot of uh, point in this that you can uh, we can point out which doesn't make sense, and I will prove that uh, I should be fighting for the title. Do I not deserve the title? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, for sure. I'm just I saying mean, because like, there's this logjam. Like, t- t- tell me that I don't deserve the title. I'll fight somebody else. I'll ask you to to uh, set me up, uh, schedule me for uh, end of May uh, or early June. I'm mm-hmm. ready. You know, if I'm, I don't deserve the title. If, but the thing is, I think I deserve and I think we should be moving in this direction. So are you saying that you think that they should look at you as opposed to DC next? Just go Stipe Francis too and then move on. Is that what you're saying? You should be fighting for the belt next? Or are you saying strip Stipe and make it you versus DC? I don't know what they should do. I know what I, I, I deserve and what I would. I should be doing. Okay. I, it's, I'm not. I'm not going there to manage the division. I'm not right. the UFC. It's their job to to figure out what is going on in the division and to 
do what has to be done uh, to make this division, uh, to bring this division alive again. Because like now, I feel like uh, the, the division is uh, drowning, you know, like it's been a year with almost a year without a title fight in the division and we are keep fighting. Like what really next for the heavyweight? What's up with the uh, heavyweight division? So you were there, you were in the same arena as the UFC brass. Did you talk to anyone? Did anyone give you an update? Okay, we're going to do this, a game plan, any sort of information? No, no, I nothing, don't. nothing. Did they congratulate you? Uh, I get some text message, some, something like that. No, That's let's all. talk. This is what we're thinking. This is what we're going to do. No. Nothing. No clarity. Not at all. As I'm telling you, nothing. That's that's a bit surprising, no? Uh, I don't know, but that's not my problem. I'm not going there to need. I don't need the praise or whatever. Just do what is right. right. I'm not. I'm not begging for favor. I'm not asking for like me or like me or not. But just do what is fair. That's all what I'm asking for, and it's, it will be more than enough for me. And you mentioned. You mentioned. Oh, someone's at the door. Maybe that's your title shot. Do you need to get that? <laughs> uh, keep going. Okay. Oh. Uh, so let me ask you this. You mentioned, okay, if I fight, it's just to finish out my contract. How many fights do you have left on your contract? I have two fight left on my contract. How many but two? Have, yes. And I okay. have a title, and I, but I have a title fight, uh, uh, contract. Uh, uh, what do you mean? A clause in there? Yeah. So if I have a title, I have to uh, defend. At least for gotcha. a year. Oh, at least for a year. Okay. So is there a yeah. part of you that just want, are, are you frustrated to the point where you just want to fight the contract out and then look at your options? Uh, not because I'm frustrating. I mean, I want to fight a contract out to make, to have a new contract, to have a good contract, you know, right. a better contract than what I have. But, uh, yes, I'm frustrating. And, uh, at this point, I think, uh, it would be good for me to sit down and talk. Um, to erase my contract, to knock him out and sit down and have another new contract. I think that's where um, I'm going to have a better pay. Okay, so is that what you're planning on doing? Yeah. Okay, because you feel you're underpaid right now. Uh, what is the average? Who knows? None of it's public. Uh, okay, so this is the problem. Yeah, there's a lot of problems. <laughs> But the only, the, what I know is I, de- I deserve more yeah. than, I deserve way more now. You know, Stipe said he can return in the fall because he can't train and all this stuff. If, if they do that fight in the fall, would you be willing to wait to, for all that? Like, let's say they say to you, okay, Francis, we're doing that title fight in the fall. What do you want to do? Do you want to fight someone else or are you going to wait? What do you say? Fight those, that person for what? Yeah. For Josie fight? Money. I mean, which money? Because I will get more money in the title if I done that fight, either whatever is it. <laughs> you know, so it's kind of like the thing. Has this taken away some of the love of the game for you when you're fighting, but you don't know what you're fighting for? You don't know if there's any sort of clear path? Definitely. He has been, the past 11 months has been very frustrating. You know, uh, I never planned to be an MMA fighter. Like even when I work in the gym in Paris, like uh, six years and have a go almost seven years ago, 
I wasn't like there to be an MMA fighter. I didn't care about MMA. And they were telling me how good I am and how good I can become a, a UFC fighter or a UFC champion. I didn't care about it. But I just kept doing it, doing this sport because it was fun. I like it. I like the action. Um, and that's why I end up in the UFC. And I, I realized, uh, lately I realized that I'm kind of like losing those forms. Became like it started to become like a frustration, and I didn't like that. You know, I want to do every, whatever I'm doing to to enjoy, to have fun. You know, uh, and if I don't have fun in it anymore, it's not worth worth it anymore. So, what are you saying? You 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 might want to stop. No, it's not like I I don't want to stop. It's like I'm losing the yeah. fun of the game. So, as, even after this past weekend, you still feel that same feeling, like that fun isn't quite there, like it was before. Um, no, really. I mean, obviously I have a fight and I have a, uh, I have a win. That's kind of like calm you down a little bit. But, yeah. Uh, it doesn't solve the question. We still have some pending question. When, what next? When? Who? Like, what, what is my situation? I'm going to wait uh, for, uh, Stipe or D and DC to fight whenever he's going to, they're going to fight. To wait, uh, expecting that nobody get hurt and then, uh, wait whenever you want to fight again to be able to fight. I mean, you, I still have those, those questions are working, uh, through my mind. Is there a part of you that feels like if you did boxing, it would be less frustrating? Um, no, I don't, I haven't think about it, but definitely I'm going to do boxing at some point. That's what I know. For sure. Yeah, for sure. You want to actually, not just like a one-off thing, like not like no. a Connor, like you want to have a career in boxing. Yeah, to have like couple fight. Okay. Like couple fight because that was the, that's how the dream uh, began. Right. That's how it started. It was, for you. He, yes, that's how it started. It was all about boxing for decades before MMA came around. Right. Um, and in, if you had your way, who, like which fight maybe excites you a little more, DC or Stipe? Do you want the second fight against Stipe, or does the fight against DC interest you more? I definitely want the fight against Stipe. Uh, I would like to have the belt where uh, where I left it. Right. Uh, but uh, you know, the, on the other side, I mean, in, I think you will agree with me that it would be great to have a fight against uh, DC before he's retired at his has. Uh, as he's planning to to do so, um, I would like. I would love to share octagon with DC, no matter what. I mean, that's something which is uh, for a young fighter like me, who is kind of like kind of a dream fight to share octagon with somebody like uh, DC uh, before his retirement. Are you someone who likes to look at the future, predict the future? Like if you look into your crystal ball, what do you think the future looks like for you this year? Like how do you think this plays out? Do you have any sort of feeling? Um, I think even those who has been able to uh, see in the future in 2020, huh. they can see, they can see shit. Right. That's true. <laughs> it has been a crazy year. Yes, 2020 is running like 2G antenna. <laughs> yes. I thought maybe it's they like, were going to make you. It's like, it's yeah. like turning like this, downloading, like, like yeah. this weight. Right. This weight. 
I thought they were going to ask you to stay in Jacksonville and fight, you know, Wednesday or Saturday because it was so quick. Uh, no, no. You had enough. Time to go home. It was a, I, I know it was a long training camp for you. And, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I feel like I felt like I was. Um, I feel like I need to be home, but I'm. I'll be ready to fight uh, very soon. But the problem is for what? Right. Like July or so? Maybe June. Maybe in three weeks. Oh. But but you want to have a reason to fight? Yeah. By the way, before I let you go, tell me about the shirt that you're wearing. Justice for Amal. Yeah. Man, I saw this video like five days ago. It was just when uh, we uh, we were in Jacksonville. I mean, uh, that kind of like pissed me off. And those things happen all the time in America. And it's crazy how uh, they, uh, they don't really take action about it and let it happen again and again. And what is more uh, sad about it sometimes is to see those people being unpunished. Mm. Like the guy who killed uh, those people who killed Amar, they're out there free. Man, you just took somebody's life. Mm. Do uh, do that? Does that life didn't mean uh, as much? You know. So um, when I see those things, it really get me mad. Obviously, I'm not American. Uh, I'm not African American. But uh, in African American, you can find African, and I'm African. Uh, so it's, it's my cause. I feel like I belong. Uh, that's something will really attach to me, the justice. At some point, this kind of injustice has to stop because every of us is going to be, uh, we're going to be, um, we are, we can be, uh, Ahmad, Aburi. We can walk in our neighborhood and have some of those people who has a, a, a bad spirit and a bad, um, scene of a human being and those savage who want to act like this in our neighborhood and they will just see in you some another amount Abri. and uh, you know I think we should take action about this to make it stop obviously he won't bring amount uh, life but this he can save some life in the future this action can help uh, to point that situation and try to solve it out because he's, he's just Ridiculous as a situation, you know, to see somebody ra- alive robbed like that, taken for nothing. I think uh, everyone deserves to live. And of course, uh, I know I saw on your on your Instagram, and I agree with everything that you said. Um, people can see the link on your Twitter, on your Instagram, and and if they want to buy it, all the proceeds go to his family. So uh, that's a that's a really great thing. And I know you have your Francis Ngannou Foundation that you're very proud of as well. You're doing great things, Francis. So well done yeah. to you. Yeah, I mean, uh, for the shirt, um, we just called uh, this guy for uh, in uh, Jacksonville. We were asking them if they can just print four shirt for our team. And they, when they uh, realized it was for the cause, and then they were like, okay, we are doing this for free. This is a good cause. We can join you on this. And we just like, okay, uh, that would be great. And uh, they, ha- they came up with the idea of printing many of it and share and, uh, and sell for the cause. Then we let them do. So they are doing it. We don't even uh, control that. But 
I I thought it was a good action to take as well to let some people have a shirt if they want to have it. So they will give they will give the the printing company will give the money back to to the cause. Good man, Francis. I appreciate you doing this. Thank you very much. Congratulations, felicitation, the great win. What an amazing scene it was, and uh, you you continue to impress ever since that fight against Derek Lewis. How you've turned things around and you've become this unbelievable fighter. It's uh, it's really amazing to watch, and I give you a lot of credit for turning things around like you did and dealing with all the frustration as well. So I hope it works out in your favor, my friend. Enjoy the victory. Enjoy the time off, and uh, we'll see how it all plays out. For now, though, thank you so much. Thank you very much, um, Aria. I appreciate you having me in the show. All right, that does it for me. Thank you very much to Francis Ngannou. Appreciate his time. Thank you very much to Dominic Cruz. And of course, thank you very much to the great Daniel Cormier. Hope you guys enjoyed today's offering. And a reminder that we are back later in the week. I got another Helwani show for you on ESPN Radio, immediately following the UFC Fight Night on Wednesday, headlined by Glover Teixeira versus Anthony Smith. I'll be live on the radio taking your phone calls, same way you listened to me on Saturday. Hoping you did. If you didn't. Check me out on Wednesday for the post-fight show. And then hopefully we'll put that up on the pod as well. We'll answer your questions. I might have something else for you, but I'm not going to tell you about that now because, I don't know, I don't want to jinx it. All right? I'm done. I'm out of time. Thanks for listening. Thanks to Jake. Thanks to TST. Thanks to all of you for continuing to rate, download, subscribe, review, all that stuff and more. We also got an arrow on the bad guy coming up. We got so much, we don't know what to do with ourselves over here. Peace. I'm out of here.